0: Welcome to the Spinner is Lit, episode 13, Reno or Bust.
1: Welcome to the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast, episode 13. I'm your host, Spencer Klingen, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Seth Holder. Hey everybody. And tonight, our very special guest from Reno, Nevada, and uh, one of the founders of the Reno Pinball League, Mark Scoff. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is awesome. It's You know, it's been a long time coming. We've been wanting to have you on for some time. So it's it's good to finally, we finally all get together. And uh, you know, our our the planets aligned and our schedules got all dialed in and we're ready to have some fun tonight and uh, talk about pinball. Looking forward to it. Well, let's just jump right in. So, uh, uh, when and how did you first discover pinball?
2: Oh my gosh i I've, I've been into pinball since the seventies. Um, I was born in seventy one, so I actually got introduced to pinball uh, when I went to my friend's house, and he had three machines downstairs in his basement. And uh, I still remember what they were. One was a Sure Shot, and the other one was a Klondike, and I remember just getting a chance to get my hands on the flippers, and started getting totally addicted to it. Trying to get all the numbers lit up on Sure Shot, and I kept playing like nonstop. And that was when the Atari came out, so I was kind of excited uh, being able to play pinball. But then my friend always wanted to play Atari, and I wanted to keep playing pinball. <laughs> um, but it all started from. Uh, sure shot uh, in his basement. And long story short, the person who designed our artwork for the back of our shirt uh, is the same guy who had the machines down in his basement, which is really ironic. That's his fault. That's
1: such an awesome story because in, in the seventies like that, you didn't hear about a lot of pinball collectors. You went out on location and played pinball.
2: That is correct. And the place I went to was Aladdin's Castle. That was the, that was the place to go at the mall. Uh, I am originally from Milwaukee uh, and I lived in a suburb called Brookfield. And inside of Brook, or in Brookfield, I had a place called Brookfield Square and they had an Aladdin's Castle there. And the first pinball machine I ever played as far as on location was Haunted House. And that game frustrated the heck out of me. And that's when I kind of looked at video games when they started coming about. But um, now I love that game. But before, oh, my gosh, it was <laughs> it was so frustrating, even trying to get used to it when it went in the basement. Uh, but it was still cool. And to see the ball f- flinging around and having it go down at the bottom and having the the flippers kind of like a mirror design. So it looked like they were, you know, they were like reversed. But it was just so trippy, and I just it just totally um, got me interested in it. And uh, from there on, I just uh, I just loved pinball from that day on. But yeah, it was pretty much in the uh, in the mid seventies uh, when I really got into it. And it was thanks to my friend; he had it in his basement, and uh, we played the old jukebox. We played Billy Joel and and Queen. Oh, man. And
0: don't, don't get started. started
1: on Billy Joel. Practical people <laughs> stop listening to this show. <laughs> well, just this episode, but now he's a good he's a good guy. So and we got our practical Steve shout out. So yeah. Done yeah. Done.
0: Well Klondike uh, is the one that has the um this the reels in the middle right at the top of the play field. That's a kind of a cool EM. I I, I have uh, played it recently and really liked it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like a slot machine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and
0: then it, it's yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I don't know if I've ever played one yet. Hopefully somebody will bring one to the Golden State Pinball Festival. Coming May 18th through the 20th at the Lodi Great Festival Grounds.
2: And super excited about it. It's going to be the best show ever in the West. That's it. It is
1: going to be beyond epic.
2: Oh, I can't wait. I'm like counting the days. I I love it when Spencer puts on Pinside. uh, How many uh, days are left until... Golden State. <laughs> yeah, but it always exciting. makes
0: me nervous when he goes quiet for a couple days because then I'm like, okay, is he in the hospital? What's going on? <laughs> daily you
1: know, update. And and you know, we've never talked about that on the show. So uh maybe someday. But um you know, I'm doing great, man. And right now I'm working on quitting smoking. Uh I've been juicing. Uh like Jacqueline Lane, not like Barry Bond. I was gonna say so, what kind
0: of Steroids you want, bro.
1: No, no, you know, just all natural fruit juices. Get my morning started. Rusty makes me a, a nice, me, both of us a nice uh, fresh juice, you know, with uh, spinach and carrots and oranges or pineapple and like that. Just, you know, V8 without all the garbage, you know. So I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So the next question. Uh, okay, well, you started a league in Reno, Mark. Um, you know, just tell us about it. How did it all come about?
2: Oh wow! It was it was something that we talked about for a very long time. Uh, I got to give shout outs to Michael Huntsman. He's the one that started this whole pinball craze in Reno, getting people to come over to his house. And he had this one location that was awesome called Shabby Boutique. And in the back, he had like fifteen pinball machines of all different kinds, from DMD or from uh, EMS all the way up to DMDs, and. I got introduced to him when I was at Pinagogo, So I met all my pinball friends at Pinagogo, and I got their numbers and I said, Hey, you know what? I'd, I'd like to contact you when we're back in Reno so we can get together. And the first year it didn't happen. There was nothing really going on. And I remember when I talked to Michael, he was like, you know, I really want to start an arcade. I really want to get an arcade going in Reno. I'm like, okay, uh, that sounds great. But, um, you know, when is that going to happen? And he's like, well, it hasn't gotten there yet. I'm still getting my machines all fixed up and everything. Well, eventually that time came and his friend had a um, a consignment or antique shop that was in the front. And he gave the space in the back to rent out to be able to have his machines. So they had kind of a little partnership. And what was really cool is uh, there was all this stuff in the back. So what I did is I went in there and helped him clean it up and get everything all situated so we could start moving the machines in and from that point forward we moved in about 14 or 15 of his machines and it was awesome we went there like we had uh, tournaments every other two weeks and it was just for fun nothing to if bar or anything like that just you know just to get a community to to build and then after that was done um, we had an opportunity to invite more people and i found out there's a lot more people than i knew that are interested in pinball in Reno. So that's kind of how it started. And then we always talked about starting a league and it, it really couldn't happen yet because unfortunately the place shut down and Mike had to move his machines out. So then he moved him into local bars. But the problem was, is that there was smoking in the bars and most people don't like to play pinball with smoke and it's not good for the machines, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided uh, that we just are not ready for it yet. So when I went to Sacramento, I had an opportunity to see uh, Michael Hosier, which I give huge shout outs to him as well as the Capitol Corridor Pinball League, because they were the ones that really inspired me to get it started in Reno. Um, I talked to Michael, I don't know hours upon hours asking, what's the best format? What do you think I should do? I talked to somebody from um, Wonderspiel in uh, Las Vegas, Joe, and he was giving me pointers on what format they use. And then I also talked to somebody who I met in Orlando, who also has a great place uh, called the Pinball Lounge in uh, Ovedo, um, Florida. And he gave me suggestions. So I really, at the, that point in time, I really did not know exactly what I wanted to do um, as far as what format I wanted to do, where I was going to have it, um, what was going to, if I was going to do IFBA or not. So all those questions were um, answered by Michael. And I found from all of the options that his system is the absolute best for having it where everybody competes against each other but it does give you a chance to catch up with the points. If you have a bad week, you can still have an opportunity to get further in the rankings if you play well that next week. And I love that. And it really makes that competitive nature fun. But at the same time, it really helps you as a pinball player improve. So that's how it kind of started off. And then I can go into more detail on exactly the whole process that went through it. But that was the that was like the inspiration. It's like I had the best time ever when I was invited as a guest to go to Michael's uh, uh, league that he had around Halloween where he had a costume party. And I was there and I just felt
1: like home. And I'm like, I want to have this feeling here in Reno.
2: So that's why I started a
1: league. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, I play in the capital quarter of pinball league. It's really funny because uh, Michael lives 15, 20 minutes straight up the straight up. Uh, uh, Highway 50 from me, but uh, on his league nights uh, is my boys' trail life night. So I play the Lodi side, which we met up there and played at Adams before because um, that's Thursday. And, you know, it's, it's like a, a family reunion almost. You know, we, my wife and I still look forward to every other Thursday because we get to see – and Michael also plays in that league, in that side. He plays in both sides, and a few other people do as well. But it's just it's just the gathering the tribe sort of, and it's it's still about pinball, but it's just about seeing your friends again, you know, just hanging. It's out. It's a family
2: and, reunion. That's the best way to
1: look it, at it. It really it's, is, it's you know. A, yeah, and and it's yeah. just a wonderful experience. Yeah, yeah, Michael and, and you know Adam and uh and our our you know in the capital quarter pinball league, Michael Hosier, Adam Pressler, uh, uh the Neff family and the Banister family who host uh, leagues. And I know there is somebody else who hosts on 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 the the Folsom side. And I forget who it is. And Jack you know, Jarrett, Jack Jarrett, thank you. So a shout out to him as well. But you know, these people they open up their homes and and share their games. They're just wonderful. It's just, it's a, it, it's an awesome thing, and it's great that other leagues that you reached out to them and they you know that they helped you and kind of you know pointed you in the right direction to uh, continue to get get your league started up. So uh, uh, I love the shirts. Um, in fact, I want one. I got to trade you a, a capital corridor shirt. And and I do also play like at the tournaments Michael puts on because those are usually on weekends so I can make those. So,
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to go to one of those tournaments that he held. I, I was bummed out. I missed out on the pin golf tournament he had just recently. And I also wanted to try out the pin bowling tournament, which sounded really fun. But it's just hard to get over to uh, Sacramento sometimes with the weather and the uh, Donner Pass. Right weather conditions, when it snows, you, it takes forever to get over there. I probably wouldn't even make it in time for the tournament because uh, the roads close or the, this traffic is so slow moving. Um, but yeah. So I, as far as to answer your question of how it started um, after I got all the information from all those people that I talked to, then I spent a, a considerable amount of time getting some people together to form a little, I don't know if you could call it a committee, but just kind of a, a group of people that are interested in wanting to start it and getting input from them. So I had about four other people that were regulars that we had. We actually only had like three meetings. So we had the first meeting um, that Roger Brown put together, who who is uh, owner of Press Start, along with John Simpson. And they came together and decided to have a meeting at Press Start to say, hey, we really like to... You know, what are are your ideas as far as what you want to have for a league? And basically, we just heard input from everybody. Do we want to have it so it's fair for everybody? Do we want to have it so that there is like a handicap? So people who are not experienced with pinball, they can have a better chance of of doing better. Um, When are we going to have it? What nights are we going to have it? So those, you know, all the typical things that you have to think about when you're having an organization of people come every other week. So the good news is that Tuesday was the best night. And ironically, that's the same night that Capitol Corridor meets in um, Folsom. And it worked for us. We decided that we'll have practice at six o'clock to give them time for an hour. And then seven o'clock, we start. The cool thing is that the people at Press Start offered to put their machines on free play for league night. Awesome. Which is, which is incredible. And I I tell you, Press Start is a wonderful place to hang out and they really treat you well. And I'm really impressed with uh, how well the machines are maintained thanks to Kevin Woods who works there. So he has it all pristine shape. And we know when he's gone that we can tell that yeah. the machines are like, oh, wow, yeah, he wasn't there for a while. But man, he gets them all cleaned and they work amazingly so when we play for league we have no issues they work all the time the other thing we've been doing uh to make it a little more interesting is we're having people bring in machines um including ems some older solid state games to mix it up a little bit because most of the lineup that's there is mainly dmds or newer sterns but we do have a couple like uh, twilight zone and we do have a jersey jack dialed in which is cool so we have a good variety of machines, and it really allows competitive play to, to be uh, very organized, and you can depend on the machines that they'll work that night. So it's, it's really cool. After we had a chance to talk about what day we want to have it, then we had to decide on a logo. And Jim Martin, who is a great friend of mine, he designed a really cool logo That would be simplified, so it would be good for putting it on, uh, like score sheets or on a website or on shirts in the front to go with our name, and it it turned out really cool. He did a really good job on the uh, the font that he chose and the flipper, or I'm sorry, the uh, bumper cap. So it has the uh, initials of RPL for the acronym. So it 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 really turned out well. And then my friend who I talked about before, Brian Felker. He lives in Phoenix and I've been longtime friends with him since he, he, long story short, he was adopted and he's from South Korea. And he was, fortunately, he was um, adopted into a, a very nice, wealthy family. So he didn't have that opportunity when he was in South Korea. So he had all the cool toys and everything. And I got to share that with him and we became really good friends not through not just pinball but everything else so i talked to him about i'm starting a league and i'm really excited he says hey you know what i design websites and i'm like oh really so he was like um why don't i design artwork for you or a logo and i'm like okay (laughs) sounds good he's like well what do you want And i go well uh, i don't know yet (laughs) so then i had to get back to him and give him some ideas um, but eventually, it turned out to be really cool. And I wanted something to represent Reno. And it turned out that uh, it it re- represents pinball, but it represents Reno at the same time. And it's going to be really cool to wear the shirts at Golden State.
0: You have a uh, website yet?
2: We have a Facebook group, but we're going to be working on a website. But right now, we just had a Facebook group so I could get the IFPA to accept the, uh, the sanctioned. League. Right.
0: Yeah, you got to have a web presence. Yep.
2: Yep, you have to have a web presence. So I had to make sure that happened. I, of course, registered a domain. And even that was talked about because originally I was going Reno Pinball League, but then people would misspell it and have three L's and then, or two L's and it wouldn't. So we shortened it to renopinleague.com. And that was much easier to remember and type in. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, you know, I, I think the part of the story that's really cool is a childhood friend, you know, goes full circle that helped introduce you to pinball is now designing your website.
2: Yeah, he's well, he, he's not designing the website, but he designed the artwork for the oh, back okay. of the shirt. So now we have something else really cool, um, and that I can tell you in a, in a story later okay. on. Okay, cool. But it, it's very cool. I mean, I could say it in the show, but I, I, um, it, it'll fit when we talk about the
1: design. Okay, and cool. Um, now, you wrote the, uh, the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast theme song. And uh, thank you. Uh, it is awesome. And we love it. And, uh, you know, we've got good response about it. Um, I, I, you know, and, and I want to tell the listeners that you just popped in with the, with a, I think a text or an email one day said, Hey man, I wrote you a theme song. Uh, let me send it to you if you want to use it. And I was like, wow. And like, I mean, it was unsolicited you were just like, here you go. You know? So thank you again. Uh, wh- I, how, how did you do that? I mean, what was the process?
2: So, it's interesting because I had that song before, but I never had any good use for it. Um, I'm, I'm an educator. So I was a teacher at the time over at a charter school and I created a song for the robotics club. We have a robotics club at the end and we wanted to have like a theme song that went with with it, but it just didn't go any further except it was just kind of a quick scratch track. And I was like, Oh, this sounds really cool. And what I was inspired by is, If you're familiar with the NXT Lego robots, um, they make like a whirring sound when they spin their gears. And that whirring sound inspired me to sample it and then write music over it. So then I just kind of had it on the back burner and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to use this for anything. So I listened to it one time and I go, you know what? This would make really good music for an energetic theme for the spinners lit. Because I'm thinking, of course, the spinner spinning and making that fast music. So I was like, that sounds really frantic and perfect for a spinner. So then I was like, well, let me modify this and change it a little bit. So I fixed up some of the, um, the I, I changed the tracks, cleaned them up a little bit, changed instruments and um, sequenced it a little longer uh, than I went ahead at before. And uh, I did it just by using my uh, keyboard and MIDI and using Logic Studio to uh, put it all together. Uh, but then when I heard it on the show, it was like, oh, my gosh, this sounds perfect. And I spent probably hours trying to find the right sound for a spinner to make it sound like it
1: was spinning. It's a perfect integration. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely perfect. I mean, it just fits the show. And it fits the theme. It's it's absolutely perfect.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate uh, you using it. And this is the first time I've ever made my music public
1: having them use something for another purpose so uh, Uh, thank you my pleasure man it's we're just glad you know we're glad to have it um which you which kind of leads into the next question now um you're you're a teacher by trade uh so that's how you earn a living uh but but then so music is a hobby yeah music is something i do
2: on the side i always started doing it when i was in uh college i started really getting into it because uh, that was when the synthesizers that came out had workstations built in so the korg uh, m1 was a classic synthesizer from the 90s and it had a built-in sequencer so it was like oh my gosh this is a band in the box right in my keyboard so i purchased the other one uh, actually my stepfather did and it was kind of a gift to me to help with my hobby and it was a Cord T2, um, which is kind of cool, T2. But it basically did the same thing, but it had a little more advanced sound architecture in it. And I wrote a lot of my songs using that uh, in the sequencer before they had the band in the box uh, mixing boards, which were with the hard drives. And then they went to ADAT recorders. And then they went to hard disk recording, or in this case, the the digital audio workstation within the computer with garage band and everything else. And that was when it really took off, but I'm still a little behind in that because that's not what I grew up with.
1: Well, you know what, what you're using works. Cause it sounds great. Um, you know, and we just, you know, I, I, I like when I first put it out there before I even put it on the show, uh, or, or Seth and I did, we put it out to our, our group, you know, the, the capital quarter of pinball league and said, listen to this, what do you think of this? And everybody was just blown away. They're like, that fits it. Perfect. It's awesome. You know, that that's is so cool. cool. Wow, yeah. Cool. So right away we got really positive feedback and that's just continued on, you know, with since we've been using it for the last few episodes. So, but you're, you're not just, you didn't just do that. Well, you did that, but Uh, You are currently working on music for a homebrew pinball machine?
2: I am. I am working on tracks to go with a homebrew pinball machine here right in Reno. And uh, the person who is creating, his name is Jim Martin. And he and I met at a party, believe it or not. It was a pinball pool party over at Rick Bartlett's house. And you know who Rick Bartlett is. He moved from the Bay Area to Reno now. So he's in the Reno Sparks area. And we were invited over to his house. And I got to network some people that enjoyed pinball as well. And that's how I met Rick. All right. That's how I got to know Rick. And that's how I got to meet Jim. And when I first met him, he was interested in making a uh, virtual machine. And I was trying to get ideas because I wanted to see what we could do um, to help my friend Doug who he also wants to, uh, he, he wanted at the time to create a virtual pinball machine. And Jim had a lot of experience with it. So then one day um, I looked up on uh, Pinside and saw this homebrew machine and it was called Escape. And I was like, wow, this looks pretty cool. And I contacted him through Pinside, through private messenger and I said, hey, I just want to know it. I really like your machine. That's really cool. Uh, what do you think of this track? Would this fit with your pinball machine? So I, I sent it to him just out of the blue and said, hey, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I, I like it. It's pretty cool. He's like, but I'm looking for something with a little more spookiness, more uh, horror theme. Because the pinball machine that he is doing is, uh, is horror based. And it's not your typical horror. It's pretty serious stuff. But it real the gameplay is really cool I can't reveal a lot because it's still um, under uh, disclosure I guess sure. you could say but but it's really cool uh, to see the rules he's really excited about it and uh, I decide okay let me let me send you some tracks and see what we can work with and what I really like about Jim is he's very he knows what he wants so he is not afraid to say you know what I don't like it It sucks. Okay, fine. No problem. Uh, Or I like it, but can you make it lower in pitch instead of too high with, we don't have too, we have too many highs. So I'm like, okay, let me go back to the drawing board and fix that. So now I finally got something that's really cool. That sounds extremely creepy, but would be really great on a pinball machine while you're going through the modes. So I'm working right now on the first part is I'm using the Theme music that will loop over and over before you launch the ball. And then once the ball is launched, it goes into a real, uh, almost like a melancholy, real slow paced, kind of like you're walking into a creepy house or something like that. And then it will, um, it has a heartbeat in the background, kind of like Pinbot, like Bride of Pinbot. And it kind of goes throughout the soundtrack. And it has these really cool synthesized sounds that like sound like clashing metal. It's very cool. So I kind of went with that. And then I just said, well, what do you want me to do to go to the other modes? And he's like, well, I need something maybe, you know, to go a little faster or add a little more layering to the music. So I just kind of used that same weird key. I can't even, I don't even know what key it's in, to be honest with you, but I just uh, worked on that. And, uh, it's coming out that I have three tracks now that sound really good. And I also got a multi-ball, which I'm working on too. So it's coming together. I, I was kind of a little on a, uh, a, a on a little streak where I had nothing and I had writer's block and I had no idea what to do. But now uh, with this break that I had for spring break through the school district, Creative I've had time to flowing. play around with my new toy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a time to to play around with it and, and get things going. So. Um, now I need to really see it in action so I can really get inspired by what other music to write. But uh, it's cool because each mode will have different music.
1: Oh, cool. Um, no, so is this something we might have a chance to see in the near future at a, at a pinball show close to us?
2: Absolutely.
1: The goal is
2: to have that displayed in a Whitewood by next Golden State Pinball Festival. Nice. It's very close to done as far as the mechanics go and everything. And he does have it posted on his website, uh, or I'm sorry, on YouTube, he has it. And he also has it on Pinside. So if people want to look at it, uh, they can look of, I think it's Jim56, if I'm not mistaken, is his handle. And you can go in there and search for it. And he has pictures of his whitewood and his ramps and all his other mechanics. But he's still got some cool mechs that he's putting in there that are going to make it very unique among other pinball machines. So I would consider Jim as a really
1: good pinball designer. Man, I can't wait to see this thing and and get a chance to hear it and play it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. As we're
0: learning with TNA, right? Music is such an integral part of the pinball experience. It can really make or break a game.
2: Absolutely. And hearing what Scott Denisi did on his soundtrack is just amazing. And it's like, wow. I could do that. And he kind of inspired me to get going on this. So uh, thanks to Scott for helping with that inspiration. I've been a composer forever uh, on the side. I I do a lot of theatrical um, stuff on the side. I actually had an opportunity to write two pieces that were performed by the Susanville Symphony Orchestra. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was really cool. That was like writing a book moment. So yeah, it was great.
1: So you're a man of many talents. That's cool.
2: Yeah, some, yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> I, whatever I can, uh, but my wife always has a great, uh, great saying. She says, it's all or nothing for you. <laughs> and it's so true. That's probably <laughs> what I'm going to put on my gravestone is all or nothing. <laughs>
1: See, I love I, that when she I, said that. And I love that too. I love passionate people, you know, and we got paid a really nice compliment on Pin Side. Somebody was asking about, uh, uh what podcast to listen to it was a thread and I went through and read it and uh a fellow podcaster uh put you know it's mostly local NORCAL or California stuff but uh they're very passionate and I thought right on man that was that was a nice compliment so um yeah that's awesome yeah so you know that was like oh wow that was a nice thing to say so um Yeah, Mark, you had talked about, you and I talked about last year at Pinnagogo, you had talked about doing a pinball show in Reno. Um, Is there anything still in the works or planning stages or anything? That is a great
2: thing. That is like my ultimate goal and my ultimate challenge at the same time. But I definitely want to do that. I do have people that would support it. I know Rick Bartlett would definitely support it. The place that I was thinking of having it was at uh, the National Bowling Stadium. There's a banquet hall in there, which has a perfect setup for electrical because every eight feet is a four-plug outlet that handles 20 amps on each plug. So I was like, oh my gosh, you don't even need extension cords here. I mean, it's it was just like perfect match. So I talked to the organizer of the Reno event center, uh, who also works with the national bowling stadium and pitched the idea and said, Hey, you know, is this possible? Cause I didn't want to start anything until I found out exactly if it was allowed or not. And he gave us the, okay. So now it's just a matter of going through all of the liability, going through the insurance, choosing how we're going to have food and concessions and all that kind of stuff. And I really need to get a committee together to be able to make that happen because I cannot do it on my own. Right? Um, There's just so much involved. And when I talked to, uh, it was, I think it was Eric is who I talked to. Um, He gave me all the pointers on everything and yeah, there's a lot to go on, but yes, eventually I do want to have it. And I do want to have it at the national bowling stand because number one, it's really close to hotels. So as far as people coming in from out of state, California or whatever, they have a place to stay, and they could just walk to the place. Number two, it has a loading dock, right, right where you can drive your trucks in, unload the machines, go right into a loading dock. It's an elevator, go mm-hmm. right up to the floor, and then just roll it right into the room and set it up. It's yeah. that, it, it that's amazing. Plus, they have a surface lot at at Circus Circus, so people who have their big trucks can park their trucks that they rent right in that parking lot. And then they could stay in the hotel right across the street, so you could have Circus Circus, you could have um, uh, Silver Legacy and El Dorado, all uh, get blo- block rates for the show, uh, and it'd be really cool. Now, it's not as big of a space, but you know you want to start off small so it's successful. Um, and as far as the cost, it would be fairly cheap. It wouldn't be expensive because, like I said, it'd be the first show, and it wouldn't be like 200 pinball machines. But it still would be a good number. And I have a lot of collectors in here that would probably be willing to donate it to it. And I'm also thinking maybe people from California might want to bring in their machines too.
0: Especially if you do it uh, uh, outside of snow season.
2: I was really thinking of summer. Sometime in the summer. Because summer is the, that's the time when there's not many pinball shows going on in the summer.
0: You've got uh, California Extreme in July, and then you have a new Pentagogo show that'll be in October, so you've got kind of that room in between.
2: Right. I was thinking like a like a June show, but then that's close to to Golden State. So it's, yeah, I have to find a time, or even in the fall would be good, but now there's there's Pentagogo in the fall, so I, I don't know. I'd have to find a time, and also a time that it wouldn't conflict with the uh, Bowling Congress, um, because they have their tournaments at that time. But even if there were tournaments going on, we still could have it because the, the banquet room would be available. But it's fairly large. You can fit on the wall probably 50 machines easily. So it's pretty cool. And the nice thing about it, like I said, is um, the facility is really easy to get to. There's there's free parking, which is great. Uh, it's covered parking. So it's a, it's a parking structure. So you can just walk right in the facility, go up the elevator, and you're there um, with a a little bit of a walk, not too bad. And the other cool thing about it is, if there's tournaments going on, there's televisions that are mounted on on different parts of the room, so you could have like tournament results happening without having it on a big screen. But you could just have it on little televisions, or you could have announcements with, you know, if you had uh, somebody who is speaking about something or or something like that. Uh, there's just a huge, huge opportunity to have a show here in Reno. It can happen, but I think what I'm starting off first is starting off small, getting interested in leagues, then getting interested in, in getting pinball on the map here, and uh, and then of course holding tournaments that we want to invite people from California so we can have really good, if sanctioned tournaments um, that will be uh, popular to visit. So that's yeah, that's what I'm working on.
0: But uh, that's that's the right way to do it. Baby step your way through it, you know, and build get that solid foundation, get a following and just keep, keep growing it.
1: Yeah. And it sounds like you've got a really strong community up there and that's, that's really wonderful to hear.
2: We do. And and knowing that it, it, they would accept that happening, I was shocked actually. I thought they would say, no, we can't do that. I mean, they even said, you know, you can't bring in food, but we can open the concessions for you. I'm like, okay, that works for me. Um, so yeah it it really would be a great place to have it and it's family friendly it's not in a bad area of town it's it's the national bowling stadium on top of that and heck it looks like a pinball so
1: how how can you go wrong right exactly so well you know uh a lot of us guys here in norcal uh guys in the capital quarter of pinball league every well you know alex uh one of the main ones, but there's a bunch more go. Yeah. You guys are going to make a Reno trip. It's like once the rain and the snow stop. Yeah. You know we're, know, we're planning on it. Uh, I just don't know when, you know, cause we've got golden state coming up and, uh, everything else. So, but we do have a plan that works just to, you know, jump in the wife's minivan and, uh, you know, Reno or bust and come up and, and spend the day playing pinball and having a good time. Uh, that'd be awesome. There, there's some really good places now. Uh, I got to
2: give props to Peppermill, too. They've they got two new techs there now, um, and their machines are working really well now. They have the a good lineup, too, for newer machines. They got Mustang, Metallica, Kiss, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, and oh, what's the other one? Um, Guardian. No, not Guardian. Um an uh, ACDC Pro. Oh, nice. That's a good lineup. Yeah, it's a good lineup. So, And they work really well because they got somebody that, that is passionate, once again, uh, about keeping them in good condition. So, yeah, Peppermill is a good place to go now, too. And Press Start, of course, is fantastic. And then there's some really great uh, bars around here that uh, have a great collection, thanks to Michael Huntsman. Um, one is called jub jubs and the other place is called hideout lounge. So those are great places to play as well.
1: What we'll have to do is do the, uh, do the pinball crawl. And then, uh, last time I was in Reno with my family, uh, last October, uh, we did the pepper mill, you know, for the world famous pepper mill buffet. So,
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and a pinball crawl is another idea that would be really fun.
1: Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, give everybody a little love and a few bucks in their machines and, and, uh, And uh, get some good food, man. So, I'm in. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's, I think, the end of the questions uh, portion of the show. So, and where do we go from here?
2: I just have to say one thing, which is really funny. When I talked about the Susanville Symphony Orchestra, one of my friends, Marcus Peterson, who lives in Susanville, he... Uh, as an amazing collection, and he's a great friend of mine, and I got to meet him also at Rick's party and also through Michael Huntsman. But I didn't know that the person who directs and uh is the um, the head conductor of the Susanville Symphony Orchestra is a pinball fanatic but <laughs> oh, wow. here's the but here's the funny story: do you know who the conductor is from? the susanville symphony orchestra i have no idea no clear it's it's coach from survivor no way seriously <laughs> seriously. Yes. Coach,
1: seriously coach from survivor lives in susanville and he's a pinhead
2: and he's a pinhead big time pinhead
1: how come he's never come to Pinagogo or now the golden state pinball festival
2: I'm going to try to get him to go. He's very busy and he has a lot with, uh, he's a soccer coach as well. And of course he's busy with the Susanville Symphony Orchestra. And he's got uh, a lot of kids, uh, some little ones too, that he definitely spends a lot of time with, but I'm going to try to get him to go to Golden State Pinball. He's got to go because you should have seen him. I invited him out of the blue to Marcus's house. And I said, coach, just if you got a chance, come on, just come over to Marcus's house and you got to check out these, these machines. And he, he was like, he said he was going, I can't stay that long. He stayed for like six hours before he left. He was just, he was ecstatic. He was having so much fun and it was a blast. Yeah, it was really cool. So now what's really cool is Marcus and coach get together all the time now and play pinball.
1: That's awesome. And he didn't,
2: he didn't have anybody to play with before or anybody to hang out with in Susanville. So how cool is that?
1: Yeah. I, well, Susanville's probably not other than home collections, probably not a big pinball market, you know, uh, before I moved to Sacramento, when I was based in the Chico area, uh, in the summer months, I would, uh, occasionally be sent up to the Susanville area to, to, uh, work on different projects. And it's, it's a small town, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, that was really, uh, a, a funny story to tell, um, because, uh, yeah, who who would have thought that coach is a pinball fanatic? I never would have known that. And and it's funny because I just told him, I said, Hey, I just want to let you know I'm I'm gonna be in Suzanneville, but I'm at a friend's house and playing pinball. And he's like, he's and, and he texts me back right away and he's usually not really good with that, but man, he texts me back right away. He's like, Pinball, are you serious? I go, Yeah. He's like, Dude, I love pinball. And from there he was like, Okay you got to come over to Marcus's house and, and he did. So that was cool. You got to get him to golden
1: state, man. You just, he'll, he'll have a good time.
2: Uh, I'm going to get him to golden state. In fact, I'm going, that's a great idea. I got to remember to remind him to text him. He's got to come out there. Well, you he's got
1: to come send out him there. a link to the show, man. Cause you know, you out him. So, you know, he's one of well, us. Absolutely. <laughs> one absolutely. Of us. He's totally one of us. <laughs> that's great. man. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. I had to share that story. Cause it was, it's just funny how things are, so ironic and uh, another story this is a quick one but when i went to go and look at trophies of what, when i wanted to provide for our league the guy had an old kiss machine at his house who is doing the trophies and he's he likes pinball and he also likes video games so who go figure huh
1: oh I, in that in that wild the people you meet and you just mention it and go yeah i got a, a couple of old machines in my basement I, my dad gave to me or whatever yeah
2: yeah yeah, it's cool. It, and that's what I love about the, the pinball community is that people are so, I mean, yeah, everybody has the same passion, but you really get to know people. And like my story with you, Spencer, I mean, I'll never forget that when The Hobbit was there on display from Jersey Jack. And I remember we were saying, hey, let's play a foursome. So I got to play with your wife and and you and then me and then I think somebody else. And I remember I had the most amazing game on it and I felt bad because I was taking time away from you guys waiting for your turn. And you're like, Daw, don't worry about it, man. Just keep going, keep going. And, and that just pumped me up. And I got the grand champion on the machine. That was the first time I ever played Hobbit. So I, that was really cool. I, and you
1: killed it. I was like, no, man, just play through, play through. <laughs> you <laughs> you, were so, you so got supportive. this, man. Just go. Yeah, that, that was great. great. And I knew you before,
2: but I didn't get to know you in that, in that, in that light, you know? And then I was like, man, Spencer's really cool guy. I got to keep in touch with him. So then I text you once in a while and say, Hey, how are things going? And then when you started a podcast, I love listening to it because it's just a great way to just talk among friends uh, about our passion, which is pinball. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like being in the car, going to a pinball show or going to a friend's house to, to spend the day playing pinball, man. It's me and Seth and whoever else jumps in the car with us. That's the show. Oh, excellent. Absolutely. Yeah. I went to, uh, when I went to, um,
2: California, I had to teach a computer camp that I do on the side and Adam Pressler invited me over his house and we got to play pinball and I got to meet him and get to know him. So it's just, I I love the people from the Sacramento uh, area and Reno area. They're just, I don't know. It's just a really cool vibe from everybody. Uh, in those areas, because, uh, like you said, it, it feels like your family. And I know my wife come sometimes laughs at me. and was like, "Oh my gosh, is that all you talk about?" But it's like there's more to it than just playing the game. It's it's about people and companionship and and a passion that everybody has. And I think that's starting to grow more and more, especially when you look at the mainstream media of how it's being portrayed now. I mean, I just talked to somebody who said, yeah, it was just on Southwest and they have an article on pinball of how it's coming back and how, you know, the champ, or the uh, competition that's out there and the uh, the new machines coming out and the interest in it. And yeah, it's becoming more accepted mainstream, which is kind of cool. And i I hope it still stays like our, you know, our specialized hobby. But hey, if more people join, that helps with the business of making cooler and newer machines and also getting more people that you never know that you can meet and uh, share the passion with them. So it's really cool.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, completely. Well, that's that's our question and answer portion, our interview portion of the show. Uh, Seth, what's up next? Well, let's see. Let's do uh, top five.
0: It's time for our top five games of the week this week. Uh, Or a month, because it's been a couple of weeks since we did our last podcast. Um, This week, we've uh, picked the science fiction genre to do our our top five. We've all sat down independently without uh, looking over each other's shoulders and kind of noodled on this. Um, I'll call out a couple ground rules, um, and then we'll kick things off with Mark as our guest. He'll go first. Um, But uh, science fiction, so... We're looking for things that are um, both science and fiction is the primary driver of the theme of the pen. Um, any era is uh, open. Mark, you're up first. Let's start with uh, your number five and work our way to number one.
2: Okay, we're just doing one at a time, right? And yeah. then we're just discussing each one? Okay. So first of all, this was a really, really difficult one to try to – Alienate things that I was like, oh man, I wish I could put that in it's there. A huge but I was category,
0: like, it's a huge category.
2: Oh my gosh, it was so hard. But my fifth pick that I chose that I still think is a great machine is has to be Star Trek Next Gen. Oh, my that God. is just a great show, a great pinball machine because it has the two shooters on the side, it's got great modes on it, and uh, the theme is really cool, the music is great. Um, I love the three different um, mini wizard modes you can get to. And the points are really strategic depending on what you want to do. It's just a great, great wide body game. I couldn't agree more. So my fourth pick uh, is T2. I like that one because of the fast flowing uh, game. Of course, it is a classic Steve Richie. That's funny. There's two Steve Richies in a row, but Mm, uh, I really like T2 because... um, there's nothing more fun than having that gun try to shoot a target. That's just fun. Um, and the other cool thing is the the ramps and that lock mechanism is really fun with the rule set where you have to have it uh, get the multi ball going. Then you have to shoot it in again to get it to go. And, of course, you can't miss out on Arnold um, using the call-outs. Right, right. So it's, it, it's a great game, right. and, and it's one I've grown up with. Yeah, yeah it's a great one. Yeah. Um, and the basis of vote uh, almost every flow game since then. Uh, yeah, pretty much. That is kind of the uh, the template, as you can say, for Steve Ritchie games from that point forward. Correct. My third pick is this is a one I I hold true to myself, and that has to be the Machine Bride of Pinbot. Mm. That that game is. I used
0: to respect you a lot, but okay.
2: <laughs> that game is so addictive because it's trying to finish that face and trying to get that billionaire shot. Um, I don't know. There's something about it. I just love it when it it goes into that mode where it all of a sudden the lights just blink to the heartbeat. And it's a challenging game. It's a really challenging game. And it's the one I always played at Cal Neva when it was there. Uh, I played it every chance I could get when I was visiting my mom up in Tahoe. So, yeah, that that is a really good one. Um, for the number two has to be Twilight Zone. Mm. Twilight Zone is an amazing game because of, of course, the Magna Flippers, which is great. Um, the theming is awesome. Trying to finish all of the door panels is not easy to do and a real challenge. But man, when you get lost in the zone, that is the best uh, feeling to get to get that lost in the zone and get major points for it. Um, the one we have at Press Start is brutal. And it's one we hate the most when we play it in Lee because it's just not friendly whatsoever. Plays great, but it's just so difficult. But I just like that that wide body feel and the uh the ramps to be able to start the you know, shoot into the um the um the piano and also into the slot machine and having that pattern go through it. Uh, just a great game. And my last one for number one is Attack from Mars. Wow. There's something about that game. I know they've had a remake of it. I know I played the original. There's one at Calneva that's kind of beat up, but it still plays pretty well. There's just something about that game with the flow and having to make choices when you play it. You're kind of like, well, first, do I just want to get all the saucers and destroy all the st- or uh, save all the cities or do I want to try to get the highest points on the hurry up by shooting? There's just so much strategy involved and you can go either way. And I love the flow of it. I love the, the saucer blowing up and moving, you know, when you blow it up and the call are great. The music's great. It's just a, it's just a great game and you can never get bored of it. I don't know. We have it, the remake at press start and everybody gets attracted to that game. So that
1: would be my number one for sci-fi.
0: And I don't think you went out, out on a limb on that one at all.
1: No, yeah. no. I, I. It's, it's an amazing game, and holds up so well. It's a great game. All
0: right, that, that's a solid list, and I, I've, I've actually owned four out of that five on that list, so uh, I, I don't hate it, uh, other than Brighter Pinbot, but, um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's a controversial title.
1: People either love or hate it. So. Sure. Sure. Spencer, what do you got for us, buddy? What's your number five? Okay, my number 5 this is going to make you happy. Uh very happy, Seth. Uh cuz you own this game. My number 5 is Embryon. Ooh. Oh, Embryon is the one I had in my top 10. Ah. Uh there's uh, you know, I just I, I labored over this because I had like 35 titles, you know, and I had to, to pick through to get down to a top 10 and then a top 5. And uh it, there's just something about the art, uh the the layout, everything. It just you know it it, it is uh, it, it paints a picture of of uh, of an alien world and and it it's it's just intrigues me and i love to play it, and my wife loves it so um, great great early solid state wide body game with just a ton of really easy and ton of really hard shots um, number 4 star trek the next generation uh, you know mark you pretty much hit most of it. I know Seth has owned the game. He's a huge Star Trek fan. Uh, the thing, I, I one of the things I think is most amazing about that game beyond all the other aspects that we've kind of gone over is that they had the actual character voices for like, what, eight, nine characters in that game doing call-outs. So true. And, That's true. And, they had the
0: original actors. Yeah. yeah. And
1: nobody's done anything close to that. I don't think since Adam's
0: family is the closest in terms of voice actors,
1: I think, but but yeah, okay. I agree yeah. with you. Uh, my number three is Attack from Mars. Uh, it just it 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 just captures the essence of all those great old for me, those great old B movies, uh, like all the Ray Harryhausen films or George Powell films of the fifties and sixties, uh, you know, Earth versus the Flying Saucers and and you know War of the Worlds, and you know, and it captures that with, with humor. And uh, you said, you know, the flow on that's amazing. The shots, uh, you know, the, the just the gizmos, the toys, everything about that is a total package. And it, it just it stands the test of time and the fact that it, it's been remade and it's selling well. Uh, my number two, this should be an easy one, Seth, TX Sector. Uh, Unlicensed original theme. Um, well, you know, so it's Attack from Mars and Emryon, but um, it, it, it just the music in that makes the game best music ever best yeah, music ever. yeah in a pinball machine agreed but you know beyond that i mean it's just got really unique features uh you know with with you know the teleporting ball and uh the scoring and you know just everything about that game that's a game that you want to just sit in a dark room by yourself no light at all except that game and just play it all night um and my number one uh, which may create some controversy. I don't know. My number one is Pinbot. 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 Okay, because you picked Brighter Pinbot. The music on that also amazing. Fits the theme incredibly well. You know, the artwork is just captivating. Everything about that game is just, you know, it, it looks deceptively simple, but it's it's it is it is more complex than it actually looks, and it's a great shooter game. You know, you got to be on everything because if, if you don't make your shots, it's very punishing, but it has that. I got to play this again, you know? So Pinbot's my number one, those, those targets are fun
2: to shoot, to complete them, to open the visor. I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. That is a
0: fun game. All right, Seth. Wow. Well, I, I just, Spencer, that's probably the best top five you've ever done with me. I just
1: feel like you've really grown as a person. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I'm juicing, so, you know.
0: Um, so I'll, I'll go uh, top five as well, five five through one, and then I, we'll each take a turn at sh- throwing out uh, a title or two uh, for our uh, our honorable mentions. Okay. I wanted to be untainted uh, with our lists first. Number five, all right. um, I'm a huge fan of System 9 games. I've owned all, all of them or babysat them for long periods of time. Number, number five is Space Shuttle. Um, that's the game that got me um, to want to own pinball machines, that childhood memory of playing uh, on location. Um, uh, I'm a science fiction nerd um, coupled with um, the art and sound package coupled with a really brutal gameplay. Uh, that, that one has a, a firm place in my top five. Number four, uh, not to uh, agree uh, too much with Spencer tonight, but uh, PinBot definitely has to be in the top uh, five for me as well. Um, that one, just like um, we talked about already, the, the, the theme integration and the music, um, and that one more uh, playability of the game is just a brutal game. Um, none of you guys mentioned uh, any EMs in your top five. Uh, that's a uh, shame on you guys, but um, Mark, they were in my top 10. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Uh, Mars, Mars track makes its way into number uh, oh, yeah. three spot. Uh, love that game. Um,
1: which is in your game room, which I looked at earlier tonight. Exactly. Uh, and I played a while back. It's an amazing game.
0: You know, it, it, like all EMs, um, you get that extra sense of tactile feeling uh, with the spinners and, and the sound, uh, coupled with uh, just really, really great art. And then uh, for uh, you know granted, it's a late 70s EM, so it's got the a much more deeper rule set that uh, makes it very engaging.
2: And there's a lot of dials on it right on the on the score reel from what I remember. Is that correct?
0: Um, I, it's it has a fake zero in the in the zero spot, so it makes it look like it's a seven digit score. Oh,
2: uh, like okay, it. okay. That's a great game Michael Huntsman has that too Mars Trek. yeah that's a great I, I've game.
0: been drooling over his for years um, yep. you know, obviously he will never sell that game so <laughs> nope no he won't. I keep trying So I had to go had to go take matters in my own hands <laughs> number two uh, no surprise here either uh, Embryon um, is the quintessential early 80s uh, game for me in terms of um, brutal uh, gameplay. Perfect sound package. I think it's probably the best sound package of the early eighties games, uh, where you get a lot of beep, bop, boop uh, type games. This game has a really good soundtrack and, and good special effects for its era. Um, you've got and the artwork is amazing. Yeah, the artwork is incredible on that game. It, over the top, and then you couple that with um, you know, you've got probably seventeen different uh, shots that you can can make based on which uh, where the ball is at at the table. So. Ah, uh, lots of rules. The, the you know the, the one drawback I think for that game is just that the multi ball is um, uh, hard to get and does absolutely nothing for you. So it, it's tough to have this this wizard mode, if you will, for an early '80s game that uh, does nothing
1: for you.
2: If you want to play a perfect Embryon, Michael Huntsman has one that has literally a brand new play field. Michael Huntsman oh. has a
0: perfect uh, of every single ballio that era. Oh my. <laughs>
2: Gosh, it's the most amazing Embryon you, would, you will ever play. It's amazing. Yeah. And um, another one who has one that is really good is uh, uh, John Friedrich, who lives in Fallon. He's got a great Embryon
0: as well. So, I mean, yeah, that is a great game. Good choice. And then uh, number one um, is a everyman game. It's an affordable game. It's a widely distributed game. And um, I think anybody that enjoys early 80s solid state uh, should definitely own it. Um, and I'll, I feel comfortable hyping it as much as I can because they are everywhere and they're so affordable uh, that you won't see the scarcity issues you see with the TX sector. Uh, without further ado, it's Blackout. Um, oh, yeah. Good one. You got that early 80s um, voice call outs, you know, uh, that I, I think are super attractive to me. Um, it's got the great art um and it's just a brutal game you know it's not even a multi ball game it's, um but the, with the the drops and um trying to get uh trying to get the machine to tell you blackout orbit complete you know all, all the great little call outs that it can do uh, that that's my number one game that's probably the the number one game that I play in my house right now so i um it's maybe five years from now i'll have a different top five but for for right now blackouts at the at the top for me
1: and the best spinner rip sound, I think, in, in all of pinball. <laughs> agree. Agree. <laughs> and and especially
2: that, yeah, that blackout when, the, when all the lights go out and stuff. Yeah. And you have to finish that. That's so cool. Yeah, Michael or uh, uh, Marcus has that in, in uh, Susanville. He's got a blackout and it's a fun game.
0: Super fun. So, yeah, Mark, tell me, uh, give me an honorable mention. Something you haven't heard tonight that uh, you would think could potentially be in a top five.
2: Okay, honorable mention, I think it's a really cool game, and it's fun to play, is Flight 2000 Ooh. by Stern.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Good choice. Brutal, brutal to get to multi-ball.
2: Brutal. Mm-hmm. But, man, is it fun to get to multi-ball. And then when those, those balls shoot out, you know, one by one, and you hear
0: that, yeah.
2: it's just cool, just so cool.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Spencer, what do you
1: got? I love the spinner shot. And um, the spinner shot, the floating spinner
0: goes,
1: with the floating spinner that goes into the drop targets.
2: Yep, and and that's, that's the way to get a lot of points too. I when I played it on pinball arcade on the iPad, that's what I went for was just that
1: spinner and hitting those drop targets. Yeah, that's me too. Yeah, uh, I have my number eight pick uh, is Starjet. Jet, uh, early or yeah. mid sixties ballet game. Uh, uh, We have a a collector here in uh, the Sacramento-ish area that owns one. Um, The artwork is amazing. It's got spaceships that look similar to the Jetsons. Oh, yeah. But I think it might have been before Jetsons. And it's a two- or three-ball, multi-ball game for a 60ZM two-player. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. So it may, I believe may, be on the list for uh, Golden State Pinball Festival this year. Oh, cool. It was it was at Pinagogo last year, so I'll remind you, Mark. Yeah, uh you and I gotta get together and play a game. It's it's a really neat game. Uh love to play it.
0: Let's see. For me, you guys have covered a lot of them that I considered. Um I think from the modern I only have one modern game that hasn't been mentioned that uh is a game that I'd like to own, but its price has gone up a little a little bit more than I think is worth. Uh Johnny Mnemonic. I, I really love the playing that game.
2: Oh, I had that one in my top 10, I, yeah. and then I took it off because I wasn't sure. But that is a cool game. I had that at like
1: 16, so. Yeah, I had it at like 11. I know, it, That's what I had I know it's
0: not good for tournament, not good for league play. I get the exploitation of points, blah, 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 blah. But just in terms of flow and anticipation, um, I know it's a crappy theme, but it's a fun game.
1: I, I like that movie. I love all those cheesy 80s and 90s dystopian future of science fiction films. Yep, Mark, you got anything else?
2: Yeah, I do. I can't believe none of us mentioned it, but I had it in my top ten, and that's Centaur. Oh,
0: oh, good,
1: good choice. Apple.
0: That's like science fiction, fantasy, but that totally qualifies. That would qualify,
2: wouldn't oh, it? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure, but that is a oh, that game is so good, and knowing you can get five multi-ball on that older of a of a solid state is just. It's incredible. That's such a good game. Yeah. And going up in price rapidly. I know. And Michael has a good one there as well in his collection. Shocker. He's never getting rid of that one. But man, yeah, that's such a fun game. I love the multi-ball and the orbs and how you have to spell it in order. And it, the rule set is so much fun. And I love the uh, drop target in the upper left-hand corner. Oh, yeah, the queen. It's such a yeah. tough shot. The queen, yeah. the queen shot. Yep, yep. Those are... Just such a great game and and you know the, the voice you can't go wrong with that ballet voice, you know. The
0: price point on yeah, it kills it a little bit, but
2: <laughs> yeah, price does kill it because it, it it's a it's a high demand machine and boy, it's fun though. It's so ahead of its time. So ahead oh, of its time. I
1: absolutely agree. And it's it's yeah, it definitely makes the mark. So yeah, absolutely. So that yeah, that I couldn't go without mentioning That's that. That's a good one. one. Spencer, you got anything else? Yeah, my number nine pick was uh, Starship Troopers. Oh, that's oh. that's a horrible one. Oh. okay. I it, it's cheesy and fun, and I I love that you know the way they integrated uh, the film. The book is always better, but to integrate the film with you know want to learn more and uh, you know I, I just love that. So that was my number nine.
0: Hey, Mark, you want to go start
1: a podcast with me? I'm looking for a new host. Uh, yeah. hey you know what you loved my top five okay let's just go with that so. <laughs> the, the only one i haven't heard um tonight
0: um that i would maybe put in my top 10 but i think it's worth a mention is day to east uh called laser wars oh yeah
2: laser wars you know yeah. it's just so rare
0: you just never see yep. them
2: you never see those. Well, you never you know, I see think those. of Laser
0: Wars, then I immediately think of RoboCop, um, and I have a soft spot in my heart for RoboCop too. But at the end of the day, the Data East, kind of the way it plays, I don't know, I'm just not a huge Data East fan, I guess, but the, those early Data East, because those were some of the first titles that came off the line for them. There's just something that, nostalgic about them for me that uh, calls to me. And then Laser Wars just has a really interesting rule set that kind of, uh, you know, i the only place I've played it is down in Banning because they have one Uh, Set up there, and so every year that's that's like a must-play pin.
2: Oh, that's cool. The um, I guess the other one, as far because I didn't mention any EMs, but the one I really like playing that's really fun is 2001.
0: Oh yeah, and that machine.
2: That machine is kind of to my heart because that was designed in 1971 when I was born. Oh, there you so. go.
1: It's your birth machine. I like it. And it yeah. has
2: the most drop targets out of any. There a, you go, 20,
1: 20 drop targets,
2: yeah. Oh, it's so much fun to hit those. And Michael had one of those uh, when it was over at Shabby Boutique. Oh,
0: um,
1: wow.
2: But he doesn't have it anymore, unfortunately. But, man, was that a fun game. For a EM, that was really fun.
1: Well, anything else, boys? I, I think we've about covered the uh, the top five for tonight. So that you know, good good list on everybody's part. But yeah, you know, good list except my bride a pinbot. But I I grew no, up with you know, that man, it's, it's it's a good you know it's a good game and it's just you know I mean like I said it's very it is very poor. I like it. You know, so. it's
0: not like you said Starship Troopers. <laughs> you know, let,
1: you know hey. that game is brutal. Even on the it iPad, is brutal. it's brutal. It, it is brutal. Yeah. You know. I was playing uh, uh, Michael uh, Hosiers last time I was up at his house. So, oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's got one. I don't know if it's his or just somebody else's, but he had it at his house. So, Wow. Um, all right. So up to our next, uh, uh, Seth, is this one on me? Yeah. New titles. So, you know, the pinball news. What's going on in pinball? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the most recent thing probably announced. Uh, well, actually, uh, the most recent thing announced: Iron Maiden is finally uh, is finally been released, and uh, uh, if they're not shipping already, I know they will be in the next couple of days because there's been videos, uh, YouTube videos leaked out that uh, I mean they've got tons of those things on the line. So um, it's the first game designed by. Uh, world champion multi-world champion keith elwin and uh i love the theme because i like the band i uh, been a big fan for years and uh the layout looks really neat and if you played the archer game at pentagogo a couple of years ago uh his uh homebrew uh the the layout's quite similar there are some changes but um and uh, uh there's been talk about the rule set that he also helped with and i think uh i'm very excited to play this
0: the the call outs were so much better on the Archer pin though. But
1: I love Archer. I've I've been watching I've been I've been binge watching Archer again. So yeah, I would love to have had Archer, but I'm happy to have my Iron Maiden in the art package, you know, a Zombie Eddy. I think this yeah, it looks great. Uh the artwork looks absolutely
2: incredible. I mean, it totally fits with the Iron Maiden theme. And, uh, I do, I did get a chance to play Archer and I really liked how that flowed. And of course, like everybody else, I love that variable or the very target where you have to hit it in the bullseye to get higher points. I think that's just genius to me. I've never seen that on a pinball machine that that's very cool. Um, so I'm excited to play it and I do like, I mean, I'm not a fan of them, but I do like their music because it kind of paved the way for heavy metal that you know, they pretty much started that sound and then you got Megadeth and Metallica that kind of took over after that. But what a great, great soundtrack for, uh, for, uh, playing. And I'm just curious, you know, if it's going to, uh, appeal to a lot of people with that kind of music, but it'll be interesting to see. But if that game plays like it, it says it does, I don't know, might be a different story, but it it looks really cool and uh the flow looks great and it's nice to have a different design and not a cookie cutter design. So that's props.
1: I think yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. very excited for something new to the same old cookie cutter. Yeah, yep. I'm
0: excited to try
1: something something new because you know, it's
0: it's like I felt like Star Wars was gonna be that way and then I got up and played it and I was like, Hmm, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I played ten more games on it and I'm like, Hmm, I don't know what I'm doing. So, but I played a yeah. hundred
2: games on it. And I still don't know what I'm doing, and I cannot figure out to this day what when you use that button on the top to lock in the bonus. I don't get it. I still can't figure it out. So, so hopefully yeah, they, they
0: haven't jumped the shark with the Iron Maiden and, and overcomplified it. But um.
2: <sighs> that's the frustrating thing about Star Wars. I never knew what I was doing on that game, and that's unusual for Steve Ritchie. Usually he designs games that you can figure out, but. Man, these last couple of games he's done, they're just a little too complicated and it's almost frustrating because you don't you want to know what you're doing, but you have to like spend an
1: hour watching a YouTube video to figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Um up next is Houdini, which is now shipping. And uh oh, I
0: thought you said on um, an earlier
1: episode it shipped last year.
0: Didn't didn't
1: you? Well, yeah, it shipped it shipped. The first <laughs> one shipped <laughs> at the very tail end of the, like the last week of the year. So Yep. So, in December. Well, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I threw it in there cause it's real recent in the news. Uh, just a quick, Hey, Houdini shipping, you know, an American pinball. They didn't start out of the gate too well, but you know what? I'm very impressed with the, uh, the progress they've made and wish them all success.
0: They had it set up down in Banning. Um, and, uh, it was playing really well, shooting really well. They had a nice display set up. Uh, you know, it's, you always root for these new companies to come in to do well because it definitely, as a consumer, it, it only helps us to have as many healthy uh, pinball companies. Um,
2: and you can't uh, beat the price for what they have available. It's unbelievable what they're providing for the price right. for, yeah. for all the things in that thing. It's unbelievable to me. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, how did it compare to the one when it was at uh, Pinagogo last Night
0: year? Night and day difference. Oh really? yeah, totally different pin. I mean, just the subtle changes they made with the play field plus software—it just it shot a lot better. I mean, the shots are tight in some spots, so you know it depends on what kind of player uh, you want to be. Are you and sh- uh, Do you like to uh, catch and shoot, or you know what what kind of style you're attracted to? But just um, it makes sense. And then obviously, I think it just does a, a wonderful job with the integration um, and using um, the LCD um, back back. Um,
2: that is clever with the curtains yeah. I do like how they did that I do like too. it's on a stage that is clever and, and I do like um I like the. do they still have the chains on the uh, pop bumpers and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah, exactly that's kind of cool I mean the art the the theme behind it really fits Houdini well and um it, the modes look really fun to shoot for I do like that tight right shot if it's the same one that I did on the prototype uh, that was like really uh satisfying if you hit it but it was hard. It was really hard, but I, I did hit it one time when I tried it and then it, the ball locked up and then I had to lose my turn, but it was, <laughs> don't get, Spencer. What don't a
0: get game. Spencer talking about his experience on Houdini. We've all, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we've all heard it. So, yeah, yeah you know, that was I- when they slid off the gel- glass and then they
2: had to, you know, reset the ball because the multi-ball yeah. wasn't working. And, but that was, I, that was understandable. They were getting input and they were listening to their customers and, and, from the pinball community and making sure that, you know, that, that they would get the kinks worked out uh, before they had a production machine and they listened. So I give uh, huge shout outs to American
1: pinball to be able to, to offer that. Yeah, I agree. So I I'm looking forward to playing it. Um, up next, we have guardians of the galaxy, which, well, now they're getting ready to ship Iron Maiden, but guardians is the last new title and uh, it's shipping and people are playing and enjoying it. Um, I, you know, just from what I'm hearing, the code's a little early, but, uh, I'm really looking forward to playing it. I love the movies, so, um, I'm excited to play that. looks like it's got some neat stuff on it. Groot. Everybody loves Groot. Yeah,
2: that's a fun game, actually. Um, we have it over at, uh, Press Start, and they have the premium edition with the hands going out from Groot, and a lot of people said, oh, it, it, it blocks the targets. It doesn't block the targets at all. It's not bad at all, but... Man, it that's a fun game. Um, I when they get the code up to par, it'll be really fun. I still don't know exactly what I'm doing on it, which makes me frustrated sometimes when there's newer code out. But um, as far as the um, as far as what they have available with the flow in the game it's very fast and fun and, and it is fun to bash Groot, even though Groot is my favorite character in gardens of the galaxy, but uh, it is fun to, to have those balls go flying out of the mouth. And then, um, you know, I'm hoping they have like a risk reward type of thing. Like they do with uh, Mustang or uh, Aerosmith where you can choose if you want to start two ball or three ball or four ball. But right now it's just, you just lock three and then it starts and then you can maximize your points. If you keep going into the, um, uh, into multi-balling and then locking them in his mouth again as you go. And then you're, you know, you can get major points and have it multiply to three times, four times. Uh, it's a great, it's a good game though. I, I really like it. the artwork is great. It's very colorful and uh, it's appealing. The, the, the talking is a little annoying. I, I don't know if you noticed that or not in the code update, but it seems like they chat too much while you're playing and it kind of gets a little annoying. Did you notice that? I haven't played it yet. Oh, okay. You haven't played it. Have you played it? Yeah, I played uh,
0: two two games uh, on the um, premium version down in Banning, uh, So, which is not mm-hmm. enough for me to give it a, a, a good grade. I, I definitely agree with almost everything you're saying other than the Groot arms. Um, I, I don't feel that it, it, uh, it wasn't a mechanical thing. It was an aesthetic thing. It just felt completely unnecessary in blocking the play field in terms of view okay. but um i didn't feel like yeah i couldn't get targets with it but yeah no I, it did grab me immediately it felt to me like oh okay this is a little more fun than star wars that was like my first like I just, it, it is more fun I than just star really wars i to have its to admit. predecessor predecessor in terms of you know coming off the line yeah. i was like okay this is this is good you know and and um you know the theme is probably i'm more of a marvel comic book guy than i am a star wars guy cuz deep down i'm a star trek guy and so it's hard for me to um be open-minded about things that are star Wars related, but
2: yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Star Wars was a kind of a disappointment. I think everybody in the pinball community kind of got disappointed with that one. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it. I, I think it's just too complicated. The shots are fun. Yeah. The modes are fun.
0: The integration's great. Like I really feel like, you know, in terms of grabbing you th- thematically wise star Wars does, but good they job. made
2: one mistake yeah. and this is what I wish they did not do is they put X's on the insert. That tells me every time I'm thinking it's a bonus multiplier, and it's not. It, that's what frustrates me is okay. that X in the I, insert.
0: I hadn't even thought about that. Now now I'm going to have that problem. So yeah, thank I'm sorry. You, man, me too. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, okay, uh, so moving on. This, this is the little pinball machine that could, man, is uh, TNA, total nuclear annihilation. Uh, this is just taking the pinball world by storm. And uh, I have yet to play it, but I am eagerly awaiting my chance at the Golden State Pinball Festival. So uh, it's, yeah, it's got we, everything, man. We,
0: yeah, the the festival, I think we're going to have one um, in our showcase area, and we're going to have one in the tournament. So um,
1: the Oh, in the tournament, tournament
2: is- too? In the pin golf tournament? Oh, awesome.
1: Yeah, because that will go quick, unlike some other games that take like two hours in the pin golf <laughs> tournament, you know. If you've ever done pin golf, it can go real short or real long. Yeah, that is so
2: true. Uh, I have not had a chance to play it yet, but my friend Jim is getting it delivered in May. Nice. So I'm really excited. Yeah, he's going to have a little unboxing party when he gets it delivered to his uh, to his place. But um, he did order it, and I've heard nothing but good things about that game. So well, any, any of you play it?
0: Yeah, I got to play it in Banning. Um they had it set up in, in a corner, and so uh, I probably played a half a dozen games on it over the, the course of the weekend. Um, it is a 100% immediately grabs you and pulls you in. Um, it, it just from, you know, the one I had had um, uh, the shaker motor on it as well. So just from a, a tactile, light, movement, um, you know, throbbing bass, Um, It just really sucks you in and and has that excitement of an early 80s solid state, which is my sweet spot, um, but with uh, just a fantastic uh, light show and sound package that you don't get with the early 80s in terms of complexity. Uh, I heard the
2: light show is something not to miss. That is just so cool. Yeah, I I am so psyched to play it. I can't wait. I've not had a chance to get my hands on it yet
0: it it's just one of those machines that everybody that that is going to want to buy it and which is why it's the fast you know it's not the fastest but it's sold the most units out of any spooky machine and i suspect they'll continue selling it the only thing that remains to be seen is um, like with any spooky machine, how well it holds up on route. So it, you know, Yeah, it,
2: that's it, the only it, thing I'm concerned about. I heard some things about it. But then I've heard other people say it has really good build quality and, uh, and, and durable parts, and it's holding up. So I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: Well, when you go when you go back to their first machine, you know I, I've actually uh, worked a little bit on, on their first one, and you look at the progression. Um, each machine, they, they kind of get it more and more dialed in. So I, I got to believe, like even by Alice Cooper, um, time frame we're, we're gonna see machines that are are holding their own against the sterns of the world which is great
1: which is our next game we're gonna be talking about is Alice, oh, Alice Cooper's good segue huh Alice Cooper's nightmare nightmare castle uh or kitchen or kitchen yeah uh you know what uh, uh boy you know bless spooky man because they really just they pretty much from what everything we've heard uh pretty much owned uh texas pinball festival this year and uh you know it looks like it's got some really neat toys and gizmos uh a different layout not the same old cookie cutter you know left ramp right ramp uh bash toy up the middle uh something different something unique something special and uh great shot in the arm for pinball another one i'm really looking forward to playing
2: yeah, that one really appealed to me when I saw that on the stream watching the Texas Pinball Festival. I was like, they, yeah, they were really cool. They were dressed up in the garb, and it would have been really cool if Alice was there. That would have been amazing. But, yeah. um, but it was just cool. They showed the video of him and he was playing it, and, and, uh, I love the artwork package. It fits perfectly. I know Alice totally approves of that, the way it looks. It's got that macabre look to it that he likes. And, um, the, the modes look fun. The um, I really like the wire forms with that that brushed steel look to it. Um, oh, yeah. Or whatever that's called. I don't know what it's called exactly, but that looks so cool. And then the little spiral thing on the side. That to give is that cool. Ball, that's so cool. Yeah. That spiral thing or whatever on that wire form is really neat. And, um, yeah, it looks – and they have an b- upper play field on it too, right? There's an upper play field? Yes. Yeah. yeah on top right. Yeah. Yeah, So that looks like that's a little more functional, a little more uh, worthy to have in the machine. And, uh, and Alice is doing the call outs, which is awesome. You don't have another voice actor doing, you actually have Alice doing, I mean, who, who could be a better voice actor for that kind of stuff. So, um, and it's really cool. Another story to kind of talk about Alice is, uh, when I went to a fundraiser with my mother, she, uh, was at a golf outing and it was a fundraiser for, um, It was called the Parasol Foundation, and they give money to nonprofit organizations. And he was my mom's golf partner. Oh, no way. So I was invited to go to uh, the banquet, and he was sitting at our table, and I got to chat with him for like an hour about stuff, about his new album coming out, and uh, did not know he was into pinball. Um, But uh, yeah, I I have a little... uh, little bit of contact with him i know when he came to rena last time i got backstage passes because my mom believe it or not had his number so she lost it which sucks now but um yeah i i i I actually can say i actually met alice personally and and hung out with him he's a really
1: cool guy that's awesome yeah so yeah yeah. it, it was neat yeah, I'm just looking forward to, like, you know, with everything new that I haven't played yet, just looking forward to get a chance to play it and experience it because there's so much excitement. Before we get in the last one, I just want to point out something real quick that right now we have five companies actually shipping new pinball games. Of course, you know, we have Stern, Jersey Jack Pinball, uh, Spooky Pinball, American Pinball, and uh, then we have uh, Chicago Gaming with, you know, sh- uh, shipping – reissues of Pinball Classic 90s pinball machines and then you know there's other stuff in the pipe you know
0: and before we get hate mail we also they're shipping uh Home Pin Thunderbirds
1: they are shipping Home Pin now so that's six it, is that better has they imp- have they
2: improved it or not i don't know i mean you know i haven't got to touch one it, of- it looks I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It looks
1: like it's got a couple of cool mechs, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to play it and maybe it'll, you know what, or you know what? maybe it'll be a thing where, okay, you know what? Good first effort. Hey, can't wait to see what you guys got coming in the pipe.
2: You yeah. Know? Or it could, yeah. or it could be a sleeper. You never know. I mean, yep. sometimes you can't judge a machine until you play it. So we
0: don't Absolutely. know. Yeah. We don't know.
1: Absolutely. So
0: one one of the cool things about Alice is, um, uh, a, that we're going to have it at the show. Um, so that's going to be... Wow, uh,
2: that is just incredible. It's incredible that Spooky is coming all the way out to Lodi to represent. That's just
0: Yeah, his first uh, awesome. West Coast show, and uh, we'll have the machine there. Um, really a big shout out to, to both Charlie, um, who uh, worked hard to get us a production machine off the line, because um, that took some arranging for them to be able to have one that was production ready in time for our show. And then um, getting um, the help from Rob Anthony, who's a distributor, who's also a good friend of the show and is there every year at the show. He he worked really hard, too, to help get that coordination between Charlie and, and us. So uh, without those guys, this this machine wouldn't be at our show for all of us to play. So I think we're the first of or, – or, po- I think we're the first show to have a production um, Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle at, at its uh, – facility so we're pretty excited to share that
2: do you think the code will be a little more complete too by that time yeah absolutely oh my gosh that's so cool i mean that's what i'm thinking like i was like oh man i bummed out and i missed the texas pinball festival but when i'm looking at this lineup what's going to be at golden state i don't feel like i'm gonna have to worry about missing texas pinball festival (laughs) right
0: right you miss the reveals but you get the more mature code (laughs) you You get
2: the more mature code and you get to play it yeah, exactly. with not not a thousand. Well, who knows? There might be a lot of people coming to the show, and man, I can't wait. It's well, gonna be awesome. Well,
1: well, Seth and I are working on getting fast passes for the show this year. So I'm, <laughs> that's kidding. I'm kidding. That's a joke. There is no fast pass. Okay, no, well, well, there might be now, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's an idea. There yeah. you go. We'll, we'll throw that around. Okay, yeah. so last up and uh, is a uh, uh, Jersey Jacks Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, still not shipping yet. Uh, so. Uh, sometime, uh, possibly this quarter or, uh, well, we're in the second quarter now. So there's, there's they're saying hopefully second quarter this year. So, you know, still making some tweaks to it, but you know, the prototypes have been showing up or the sample games have been showing up to all the pinball shows and, uh, the video footage looks really impressive. So, uh, I mean, it's Jersey Jack, man, you know, how can you lose? Right. Yeah. How can you lose? I mean,
2: especially the, uh, the production value of just the LCD is crazy how they can get all that, all the licensing to be able to get those clips. And uh, I'm hoping that it is a fun, energetic game where the modes are not too complicated where Hobbit was kind of like, well, I, I kind of know what I'm doing, but it just didn't seem like there was like excitement to get to the next mode. It was kind of like, Oh, I'm just there. I'm just keeping on going. But with this Pirates of the Caribbean having those concentric circles in the middle is really going to mess with you with the, with the, with the
0: ball. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's going to be like on steroids, you know, um,
0: I I got to play one and I can tell you that those concentric circles are uh,
1: frustrating. They make the ball do the craziest stuff. Can't (laughs) wait. Can't wait. I've, i am dying to play it for no other, excuse me, for no other reason just for that, because you know what a huge fan of whirlwind I am. So, Oh yep. yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like it'd be more powerful as far as the randomness than magnets because you can flip them, you can have them spinning in either direction at different speeds. You can have it stutter and then start up again. I mean, you could do so many different variables to really mess with that ball.
1: Yeah, or balls if you're multi-ball, or 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 balls. Yeah, yeah.
0: it's it's a you know so it's it's like all the Jersey Jacks. It's a wide-body game. Um so walking up to it, um, i' in the back of my head, I'm kind of thinking of my my wa- my first experience with Hobbit, which Hobbit for me was um it felt a little barren just because of the design, um you know minus the 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 pop up uh, trap doors, but you know it felt kind of wide open. This one i over the course uh there was four of us playing it um, I don't know, it was probably a five or ten minute game we' you know we're figuring it out we were constantly finding new elements on it as we stared at it over that five or ten minutes like it's like we realized oh there's a there's a little there's a hole there oh, okay oh the ball can fall into that oh, okay and like the the top um, right uh, upper play field that's basically a ship the ball can come off that ship like in five different locations and and do something so there's just a, oh wow that yeah. is
2: cool I didn't
0: know that either there's like a ton of things that the ball can do, um, that you can, you know, give you a different experience. So in terms of, you know, the Hobbit, um, overkill in in terms of like your options, I I don't know, you know, we'll, we'll see how the code ends up, but I thought walking up to it, it was a cool theme integration. The first thing you do, each player picks the character they're going to be for that ball or for that uh, game. And they have like, 30 something characters. So like all the, the B and C level characters in the movie series are there for you to pick. Um, so it kind of, kind of gives you a cool personalization of, of your playing experience.
2: And I do like the little LCD panel that's in the, in the bottom where you can see for people who are not familiar with pinball, it gives you clues of where to shoot. And I really like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. D- definitely felt like you had a little bit more help on figuring out the game.
2: That's kind of cool. I like that, especially for people who just walk up to the machine and have no idea what they're doing. You want to have something like that, like a, like a tutorial while you're playing. And then you're not like, well, what do I shoot next? Because, you know, what we always say is shoot for the blinking lights. That's the object. Yeah, unless but,
0: Star Wars and everything's blinking, right? And,
2: you know, <laughs> yeah. And not knowing what the colors represent. That's the other frustrating <laughs> thing. But we won't go on that
1: topic. Well, you know, another interesting thing about the game is it's another first game from a new designer. And Darn it if the name escapes me. Uh, but a lot of fresh new blood and pinball. And the most companies, in fact, more than we had at the peak of the 90s producing. And ironically speaking, he is from uh, Wisconsin, the designer. Yeah. And,
2: and And Spooky is headquartered in Wisconsin. And hello, I'm from Wisconsin. So that's pretty cool. It, it must be the cheese, man. So. it must be the cheese so must seth be.
1: are you looking up who that is right now or yes and ipdb doesn't have it listed so oh, okay. well we'll we'll send our apologies and get it right the next time i i would look it up but i i have my information for our next segment so well that's a good segue you like that <laughs> so and you were
0: up sir Okay, next up on the show uh, is where we're going to introduce a couple of the upcoming pinball shows, uh, hopefully one in an area near you. Um, So today I get to uh, cover a show that's near and dear to my heart. Yes, it's that time of year again. Uh, The Golden State Pinball Festival is coming up on May 18th through the 20th. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday show, full days, all three days. That's the weekend after Mother's Day weekend, uh, which is when we host it every year, rain or shine. Uh, We're at a beautiful new location in Lodi, California. And um, the theme this year uh, is uh, basically celebrating our state, our golden state, as kind of an homage to uh, our name change that we went through uh, since last year. And uh, we're really excited. We've been putting the word out. Um, we've got been going to all sorts of uh, comic book conventions, uh, gaming conventions, uh, working with uh, our local um, radio stations. So I think the turnout's going to be really spectacular this year. We're gonna we have a lot of excitement building uh, in the Stockton-Lodi area. Uh, really good participation, and um, so for this year, we're really kind of trying to shoot for the moon we have uh three full days of a pinball university uh curriculum uh where you can uh, learn everything from um uh you know how to play pinball to uh talking to industry uh insiders like david thiel who's uh you know a total sound guru he's going to be there talking about pinball and sound um oh that'd be something i could should go to for yeah sure. absolutely it's it, a little, <laughs> little bit of everything we're going to have um uh, we're going to have the world premiere of the unveiling of the uh, Homebrew Project Kill Bill. Um, yeah, we're really excited about. No way! Are, yeah, not. those guys are coming down. Uh, going to bring their machine. Uh, really excited to see what that's going to be about. Um, so lots of lots of cool stuff going on. In the Pinball University that's going to be running all weekend, um, and then we're uh, excited to have this new location where all the all the pins will be together and uh, three connected buildings. We're we're gonna try to outdo our pinball machine count um, and have more pins on display than we've ever had before. Uh, We're gonna have indoor outdoor seating for food. We have um, some great local vendors in the community are coming in, and we're gonna have all sorts of um, food options. We're gonna have a swap meet area, which is just gets bigger and bigger every year. We this year uh, because of the new location, it's completely covered. So. Uh, whether it be raining or, or uh, sun, we're going to have a, a nice space set up there. Um, all sorts of exciting, and obviously we we have a, a huge uh, tournament every year. It's one of the largest pin golf, if not the largest pin golf uh, tournament in the in the country. I would
2: say it's the largest in the country for sure.
0: Mainly because only somebody uh, as insane as Tom would want to run a pin golf tournament that has 180 plus people in it. <laughs> and but, Tom is um, the
2: best tournament director ever. Yeah. He yeah, yeah, yeah. is amazing and I cannot believe how he can keep that uh that pin golf running so smoothly with so many people. He's awesome. And I think I definitely want to go in. And I'm sure you guys are gonna get into it too, but I'm definitely gonna try Friday night instead of Saturday because I want to have all day of Saturday to go to the seminars or uh play pinball in the in the uh, uh, I
0: don't actually the get buildings. to enjoy my show. I, I... i spent the whole time running around
2: (laughs) yeah i'm sure you do that's why i'm excited
0: that there's going to be a reno show that i can go to and just enjoy
2: (laughs) yeah then i'll be running around yeah Yeah. absolutely
1: (laughs) your turn exactly
2: i'll tell you something though uh i i absolutely love uh the festival that you guys put on and i can't wait to see how this is going to turn out i think it's going to be a huge smashing success one because machines won't be turned away two it will be air conditioned so people will be comfortable i think it's just going to be great bigger campground space so more people hanging out having barbecues it, well, actually it's that's something a great i point. look forward to it, every year i look forward to this thing
0: camp silverball is uh, off the chain this year it's um it's almost double the spaces that we've had before we're we're allowing folks to pre-register um we i think we're down to two spots left for the pre-registration so um, if the link is still on the website, that means there's still a couple spots left. But right now, we have over a hundred people um, signed up in our campground and uh, and ten dogs, so it's going to be a, a rocking time out there in Camp Silverball. So it just kind of adds a, a, a fun dimension to the overall uh, festival.
2: Are we still going to have the Sparky's barbecue? Oh yeah, like we did. That is a blast. Yeah. It, it,
1: now, Sam, I, I had not heard yet. I haven't talked to Sparky in a while. Yeah. So. La-
0: last I heard, he was, uh, he was at All Systems Go, and, and was, we've been coordinating on when and how and where and all that good stuff. So, Okay, I good, good. I expect to see some official announcements uh, soon when we have the details
2: excellent yeah that's why i don't want to sign up for on saturday for the pin golf i want to I sign up on friday
1: to up on saturday because of the barbecue
2: yeah because of the barbecue i don't want to miss out on that and that's so much fun to hang out with people and get to know them and i remember uh two years ago at pinagogo i wasn't even a pin side member and they invited me over there which i felt kind of weird i it's like okay do i really belong here but man i felt like home and after that then i created my own pin side name so there you go.
0: Well, and really that barbecue, it's its really about the um, Sacramento Pinball Group. That's thats what birthed that barbecue. It wasn't even a pin side thing. It was uh, the local Sacramento. Oh,
2: party. okay. Okay. That's good to and, know. But then yeah, it was,
0: kept growing and growing and anybody, you know, <laughs> come and join us.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it's so much fun. I just. And, and bring you know. aside not cookies. Okay, guys? Because uh, we get enough cookies. So uh bring something with bring something with the green vegetable in it so always appreciated or yeah cool.
2: i need to bring a side for sure i just got to make sure i can keep it refrigerated somewhere that's the problem
1: that's always the key yeah i could well there'll the be cooler. plenty of people at the campsites with refrigerators and ice chests so we should be good you're right you're totally right about that just just come see us man you know where to find us yeah that's going to be a blast so that's
0: what's going on with uh golden state coming up here in what, how many days spencer 42. Nice. Oh, my gosh. That's so close. I'm counting the days and
1: then pretty soon the hours. Yeah, 42 <laughs> days in counting, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Get your machine signed up on the website. Uh, head out to www.goldenstatepinball.org and go to the Breen Games page. Uh, we're trying to get uh, all the games signed up now. just makes check-in process easier. We're, uh, our counts are looking great for this year, so uh, keep them coming in. Get those machines waxed, cleaned, and signed up, and we're looking forward to seeing all of you.
2: How, how many are we at, by the way, just out of curiosity, right now? I
0: think we're at 146. Was the last I saw.
2: Wow, and that's not even whoa. Okay, that's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're doing good. Wow, we're yeah, 143. There we go.
1: Wow. Okay. Well, up next is the Midwest Gaming Classic. And that's in the Wisconsin center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Mark's hometown. That's right. And that's where I'm from. And one of these days I want to get to go over there. Yeah, no doubt. So that's Friday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, April 13th, 14th and 15th. And, uh, of course that's a uh, spooky pinball's home show. It's close to Chicago. So all the pinball luminaries are going to be there. You know, it's both pinball and arcade games. And, uh, Uh, So if you're in the Midwest or plan on traveling to the Midwest uh, next weekend, uh, that's uh, definitely a show to check out. Um, I'd love to do that show sometime because it looks just like a fun show. Uh, Oh, they also have, like, board games and stuff, too, and that's kind of neat. And, of course, up next after that is the Northwest uh, Pinball and Arcade Show. And that's in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, That's uh, June 8th, 9th, and 10th. And that's in Tacoma, Washington, at the Tacoma Convention Center. And, of course, they are also pinball and arcade and video games. And they have a tournament, uh, not unlike uh, our own local show, the Golden State Pinball Festival. Uh, uh, they're a, a charitable organization. And if I recall correctly, they uh, uh, donate proceeds to scholarships. So definitely worth checking out, definitely worth uh, you know, lending your support. So if you're in the area, uh, June 8th through 10th and, uh, you know, all, all the Pacific Northwest folks, California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, Idaho, uh, or anywhere else in America and you're traveling there, uh, I hear it's a great show. It's another one I'd like to uh, attend someday. So that's what's going on with the uh, show. So, and if you have a show and uh, we're not talking about it, uh, shoot us an email at the spinner is lit at gmail.com.
0: I just don't know why you're not letting Canadians come down to the Pacific
1: Northwest. Canadians are very welcome. Uh, our neighbors to the north, eh? Uh sorry <laughs> about that, guys. Uh, you know, I and and I'm going to get flack for this, but I I just consider Canada a suburb of the U.S. Oh, so wow.
0: there goes there goes two thirds of our listening audience. And- Pretty
1: much. So uh, hey, I love hey I love guys from the Great White North. So you know what, man? Um, you guys are awesome up there. And good pinhead. So look forward to seeing some of you at the Golden State Pinball Festival.
0: So uh, with the shows being put aside, uh, I'm excited to bring back our most beloved game show, Factor Fantasy. I think it's time.
1: My hand is on the buzzer and I am excited. Oh, yeah. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Spencer? Yes, sir. Just, just make me
0: proud this time. All right. I'm really, I'm really rooting for you.
1: <laughs> yeah you're betting on a long shot there pal <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so factor fantasy for those new to the show i'm going to uh, make a statement and then i'm going to ask our, our guests and our uh, beloved host to uh decide if the statement is fact or fantasy and defend it based on the response i will award points of uh, my choosing at the end of this game whoever has the most points wins are you gentlemen ready
2: ready Ready as ever.
0: Uh, We'll let the guests go first. So, Mark, you're up. Question number one. Iron Maiden will someday be the best-selling Stern music pin of all time. Fact or fantasy?
2: I'm going to have to say fantasy just because I don't think there's that many Iron Maiden fans that would want that kind of music as part of a pinball machine, but I could be proven wrong. I just don't think it would surpass ACDC.
0: Spencer iron maiden will someday be the best selling stern music pin of all time. Fact, for fact.
1: fact, sir. Fact iron maiden sells out 250,000 seat arenas around the world. You know, South America, Europe. I mean, they're massively huge outside of America. Um, just from the early look I'm getting, uh, it's a it's a complete game changer for Stern, as we've talked about early in the show. Not the same cookie cutter layout, designed by Keith Elwin, who's a multiple world champion, with uh you know with flow and, and cool gizmos and toys and mechs and shots, and he's also been working on the rule set. And for what I understand, the rule set is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen in a pinball machine. Couple that with the the uh, Uh, Jeremy Packer, a.k.a. Zombie Yeti artwork, and you have the total package. This thing is, uh, I mean, it's a juggernaut of a pinball machine, and I haven't even played the thing yet. If it plays as good as it looks, um, it is going to unleash the fury. It is going to completely change the way we look at pinball. I have to say, I do agree with you on that,
2: Spencer, that it is a game-changer for Stern, and it's almost like they planned revealing it after TPF because it kind of got all of the buzz out for everybody. And now it's like, everybody's focusing on Maiden. So I don't know. I don't know what to say. The only thing is when I've read a lot of the pin side things, like I hate Iron Maiden, I don't like them, blah, blah, blah. So I, I I don't know. It's either going to be the gameplay is going to make it, uh, make it a winner and the music's not going to matter. So I don't know.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Mark, uh, as a little hint into, you know, winning this game, um, being wishy-washy is not the path to victory.
2: Okay, got it.
0: <laughs> no, actually, you know, I was actually going to... Mark, you made a fair point. Spencer made a great point, And then he pointed out that they sell out everywhere but in the U.S., um, which I think been detracted from his point. So, Spencer, I was going to give you two points, but I, I'm going to... for
1: oh no, no. minute, I didn't say they don't sell it in the U.S. I'm saying besides the U.S., everywhere else in the which, world. And everywhere
0: else in the world is not where you sell pinball machines, which is what we're talking about.
1: Okay, all right. So all I'm right. still
0: giving you a point, Mark. I'm, I'm not going right. to give you a point because you're a little wishy-washy, a little wishy-washy. All right. Okay. Next question: The Thunderbirds price point of forty-nine ninety-five. Granted, this is in U.S. dollars. Is a fair price for what you get? Factor
1: fantasy, Spencer. Fantasy too, too, too little, too late, man. If they'd have popped this thing out five years ago, before the LCD screens became the the industry standard, I think they might have stood a chance. Uh, in spite of the fact that the theme is, although in other parts of the world is well beloved, it really just doesn't have the fan base here. Um, and I, I, you know, I. I, I look forward to playing it, but I just don't think it's, I just don't think at that price point when, for what? Uh, that price point, you can get a Stern Pro right now or real close, maybe a couple hundred bucks more. Mark,
0: the Thunderbirds price point of forty nine ninety five USD is a fair price.
2: I say fact, just because it's under 5000 it's a new machine and from a new company and they will add things that will make it a little more fun to play. And I think that's a fair bet considering most of the pro models are kind of lackluster in Stern, except of course the newer ones. But I, I say it's, I say it's fair. Under 5,000 is fair.
0: Mark, I agree with you Um the, the way I look at it is if you try to level the playing field, a $5,000 Thunderbird versus a $5,500 Stern pro the Thunderbird just has a lot more going on on it. So from a, a feature perspective, I think it's it's a, a fair price point. Granted, the pros now have LCDs, um, but they just are usually uh, uh, inferior when it comes to mechanisms and in, in interest. Now, Granted, I think the Thunderbird's actual gameplay doesn't look super impressive to me yet, but I think it's a fair price, especially when you um, consider uh, the market is willing to bear... Um, you know, $5,500 spooky games that are also, um, you know, I think a a step down in terms of mechanisms. So.
2: Right. And considering it's coming from Australia, is that where the company is located? The the
0: factory is located in China. So that's where they're being made and produced.
1: Oh, okay. That makes sense. So you know they're going to be high quality. Zing. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my (laughs) rib shot? (laughs)
2: All
0: right, Mark, you're up next. Steve Ritchie's next title will be Unlicensed, and he's very excited. This title will be a departure from his usual designs. Fact or fantasy?
2: Definitely fact, because I think Steve Ritchie is hearing most people talk about him saying that he's always making the same design every time, and I think a lot of that had to do with the licensing that allowed him or that didn't allow him to have the freedom to create any design he wants because the artwork had to match the specifications in this case of Disney for Star Wars and for other uh, huge licensing um, intellectual properties. He didn't have a lot of freedom, but with a machine that is original with artwork where he wants to place it and with a theme that would work with the way he wants to have his shots laid out, he won't have that. Uh, stifling effect from um, f- licensing issues that Stern always faces.
0: Fair enough, Spencer. Steve Ritchie's next title is unlicensed, and he is excited. This title will be a departure from his usual design. Fact or fantasy?
1: Uh, fact. Uh, I'm I'm in pretty much agreement with what Mark said. You know, I think it's. Uh, I mean, over over the the course of years, I, I you know, it's been said a lot and we've all heard i'm sure that uh a lot of the license holders ip holders are very restrictive on what they'll allow the designers to do and i think uh giving steve ritchie free reign just to un- unleash his power uh you know if you look at his, his, his games back in the Bally williams days is his original titles you know a uh, high speed uh black knight uh things like that I mean, uh, uh, all the way back to um, Flash, you know, he really brought and still does bring a lot to the table. So I think giving him carte blanche to just do anything he wants, I think we're going to see probably, if if not the best game he's ever designed, an absolute modern classic coming out from him very shortly. And to think that Stern is allowing a non-licensed
2: game to come about is amazing to me. So Hats and we have Spooky
1: to thank off. for that. I believe we have Spooky to thank for that. because And Jersey Jack. and Well, yes, and Jersey Jack because they – And
0: American Pinball.
1: And American and Pinball. And American Pinball. <laughs> you know, these companies have had the courage to say, you know what? We're going to sell a non-licensed theme. It's going to be fun. It's going to sell, and it's going to play great. And they all have. So my well, hat's th- off to them. Well, think about it this way.
2: If you have a game where you can get into the story that you don't even know – Versus one that you already know the story and the plot. Wouldn't it be more exciting as a player to not only learn the rules, but learn the story behind the game?
1: Right. Yes, exactly. Good point. If
2: I think that makes the most sense to me. And I think I'm glad Stern is is going that route. And I really like the idea that Stern allowed Keith Allen to use his design from Archer for his machine. I think that's awesome, too. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, that's not only a good point, Mark. Uh, I'm going to award you the point on this particular question, um, Spencer. Uh, I, I agree with what you said to a certain extent, but I don't think IP holds the designers back from ramps here, ramps there, upper playfield, lower playfield. I think that's more of a art, art on the on the whiteboard kind of thing. So, I, I'm 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 going to give a little bit of stronger argument to Mark on that one. Number four. Pinball Expo appears to be back on track with a new owner. This show will soon be back as the go-to show. Fact
1: or fantasy? That is a fantasy, sir. Um, this really I, – I felt bad hearing this news. And, uh, you know, because, I mean, you know, people have talked and said, Expo oh, Expo's not what it used to be. I've never had the privilege of going, so I can't say. But uh, – Breaking up a long-time team and having two people do two shows close together, I I, I only see it as just, you know, uh, I, I don't see it as a good thing. I, I think it's going to hurt both shows, and, uh, uh, you know, I I, I I just don't see it as a good thing. I think it's going to do more harm than good. And when the dust settles a year or two or three down the road, maybe they'll regroup and I hope that they will and and they'll continue to you know be the flagship of pinball shows, but now this is just this is not a good thing
0: all right, Mark pinball Expo appears to be back on track with a new owner. This show will soon be back as the go to show
2: definitely fantasy. I think their ship has sailed, and there's too much negative feedback about people not enjoying the show due to particular organizers that uh, get under people's skin. And even with another person who is taking over another show with back to back, I think that's foolish too, to have that one month after each other. So I think it really shoots themselves in the foot and I don't see it being successful because there's so many better pinball machine or pinball shows to go to such as Texas pinball festival, where there's reveals and the reveals have been very disappointing at the, uh, pinball expo where that should be where it's at considering most of the companies are headquartered in chicago
0: all right um i'm gonna give you both zero on that
1: oh rough man tough crowd rough. really ouch ouch
0: uh, you, you guys make fair points I, I don't know i i don't think it'll, maybe you'll it'll come back as the go-to show soon but um proximity 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 um, and and the, the guy that's taking it over um, is very much aware of the um, issues of the old show and appears to be trying to address them. So you couple uh, open-mindedness with the infrastructure that's in place coupled with the um, the, the actual industry that's there, and I, I think it's naturally going to float um, – uh, maybe it won't be the de facto industry show, but um, it'll be you know top three. I think uh, it can't help itself by its proximity. And from what I understand, the um, the the second show that's still completely in the air. There's no location locked down. It, it's it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a hot mess. So at least from what we're, we're hearing right now, things are still attorneys are still being uh, doing their talking. So who knows how things will end up? But uh, so uh, you know, I. I while i could say fantasy i think uh, you guys made it out to be much more grimmer than the situation is
2: <laughs> well uh, yeah that's fair i i just think uh, personally uh in order for it to be the show to go to it has to appeal to the people is it going to be for business or is it going to be for pinball enthusiasts right. that's the question and if it if it appeals to pinball enthusiasts then that's a different story and it, and it can be a go-to show, but that's not what people feel. It feels like it's more for industry.
0: Like what they've done. Um, I was reading the latest on uh, pinball news and they're they're they've, um, basically added into their contract, all the, uh, space left at the hotel. So they're adding 5,000 more square feet of space and they're really going to expand the, um, the players' portion in terms of adding more pins on free play and and really try to build up, I think that portion of the show because I think you're right. Um, they got to get some community support there. I can't just
2: that could help yeah. though. That that definitely could help because I always I always hear from people that go. Uh, one of my friend Jeffrey Newman who goes to all the pinball shows around the country, and he said that uh, there were not many machines. Yeah. That was yeah. his exact quote. Yeah,
0: I think they're going to try to address that. So we'll see how. Yeah. All right, number five. Um, The Kingpin remake, which is coming soon, will outsell both the Medieval Madness remake and the Attack from Mars remake. Not combined, but it'll be better selling than either one of those titles. Mark, is that fact or fantasy?
2: I'm going to say it's fantasy, and the reason why is because I don't know if that company can produce that many machines like Chicago Gaming can. Also, considering... Uh, that they already have gotten their uh, feet off the ground for Chicago Gaming. And those two titles are very popular and very uh, they're great games, period. Um, Kingpin is a, is a good game, but it's not as recognizable. So I would say that it would not sell as well as uh, Medieval Madness Remake or um, Attack from Mars Remake.
0: Spencer, Kingpin Remake will outsell MMR and AFMR. Factor
1: fantasy? Fantasy, sir. I agree with all of Mark's points. I'm going to take a different tact. Uh, The gentlemen who are uh, running the show over there, what is it, Circus Maximus? They've had, what, four years working on Pinball Circus, and we haven't seen anything yet. But now they're going to come out of the gate, and, oh, now we're doing Kingpin? You know, building a one-off seems to be a lot of people can do a you know, a homebrew uh, or or do a continuation like a cactus can continued or Bride of, Bot, Bride of Pinbot 2.0 and pull that off very nicely. Um, building a pinball machine I don't think is that hard because a lot of people are doing it. Manufacturing pinball machines, that's hard. So, I mean, do these guys have a factory? Do they have a game plan? Do they have the funding? I don't. I, I don't see this ever getting off the ground unless they get somebody else to contract manufacture. And then, if we looked at some of the other people that wanted to pretend like they were starting a pinball company, um, do I dare mention the names? No, it's not even worth it. Uh, <laughs> you know, they know who they are, and everybody knows what a joke they are. So, uh, no, I don't. I'd love to see it because I love playing Kingpin. I love the theme. I love the shots. Mark Ritchie, how can you lose? And I really do want to see this game put into production. I'm not optimistic about it.
2: And I'm so happy because when I went to Pinagogo, and I know when I go to Golden State, it will be there to be able to be played the original. uh, And not many people get that opportunity. So if you go to the show, make sure you get to play it. All
0: right, guys. Uh, Spencer, I think you uh, had a little bit more context, so I appreciate that. So I'm giving you a point. Thank yeah.
2: you. I'll have to agree with but Mark, that. Mark,
0: you, uh, you dropped the name of the Golden State Pinball Festival. I'm going to give you a point for name-dropping. Good job. Fair
1: Woo-hoo. enough. All right. I'm, I'm name-dropping. This is my <laughs>
0: shout-out. <laughs> there you go. All right, number six. Unless a game shipped with a topper, the topper does not belong on a pin. Fact or fantasy, Spencer?
1: Fact. Fact. Uh, you know, if, if a topper is designed with the game and it interacts somehow, doesn't, you know, I, I'm going way back here. Okay, Taxi, uh, uh, Whirlwind, uh, Adam's Family, Fishtails, uh, Whitewater, it does something, it interacts or it adds something. I mean, like the taxi one just lights up like the top of a taxi marquee. But there's a point to it, a reason. Now, if people want to put a topper on their game, bless their hearts. It doesn't bother me. I'm not going to go, ooh, you awful person, you. No, it's no, not no. Like no. I would say you're hey, like putting an LED
0: in a EM. Right. Got it.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking it or anything else. It's personal choice. And I think that's fine. I've seen some beautiful aftermarket toppers. But my personal preference here. Is to have uh you know if uh, pinbot another interactive topper if a uh, if a game comes with the topper and it's interactive and it's just it's somehow even if it's just lighting up but it adds to the overall experience of of the aesthetics or the gameplay yes if it's just there just because well you know I want to put something on top of the game and that match and look cool uh, you know all right. So,
0: Mark, unless the game shipped with a topper, they do not belong on a pin. Factor fantasy?
2: I say fantasy because sometimes people can be really creative and pick a topper that really fits well with the theme of the game. Uh, I know I'll shout out to Jim Shelby, for example. He really knows how to pick toppers that really make it look great and they do interact like with lighting of Ghostbusters that he has with Slimer on the top. Uh, I think the creative genius of people who really know how to do it well does belong on a pin. One, because it's more affordable because usually when you buy the stock one, uh, it always is way more than what it really would cost and sometimes they're cheaply manufactured versus something that they can get as a mod uh, that they create on their own or use from a different source.
0: Fair enough. Let me let me ask a follow-up to you, Spencer, just to make sure I understand your position. Um, a stern walking dead has an aftermarket factory topper, the aquarium.
1: Is that yeah. okay? Uh... You know what? Again, for somebody else, I you know uh, look, because Stern's making it for their game. So I, I would say yes. I don't think that's that great of a topper. Plus, it's well, way too small. There's the aesthetic so, of it. Well, but
0: just in general, you're okay with that topper because it's a factory topper.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, I mean, most of them are interactive somehow, even if they just light up. You know? But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Toppers are overrated. Like I said, yeah, I'm more of like if it comes with the game because – it was made with the game. It is kind of aftermarket, but Stern's making it for their own game. So you know, like the Batman one's really cool. You know, I so, feel you. So yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with that.
0: I uh, I came into this uh, biased. Uh, this was a biased question for me. I I don't. I'm not a believer in non factory toppers. So Mark, I, I put you at a disadvantage by your answer. But uh, I really like the answer you gave. Um, so I'm going to give both of you a point. Cool. Cool. All right, gentlemen. It's uh, it's a close game. It's all going to come down to this last question. Saving money for the next game is more important than spending money to improve your current games. Factor fantasy, Mark.
2: Okay, I'm going to say because there's so many good games coming out now. It would be hard to make a choice, but I would say that saving money for the next game when it's that right one that you want to get uh, is more important than improving current games because it's going to cost a lot less uh, in fixing current games. And when you have a new game that you're saving up for, uh, you want to be able to allocate that money to get that best machine that would fit with your collection.
0: Okay. Spencer. Factor fantasy saving money for the next game is more important than spending money to improve your current games.
1: Fantasy, you know, I, I, I would rather take a game that I get, you know, be personally because I'm in a new game market, but uh, take a game and make it perfect, dial it in, man, you know, replace the worn and broken parts, uh, you know, uh, you know, put the LEDs in it, put the Titans in it. Uh, rebuild the flippers have have it playing as perfect as you can before you move on to something else you know
0: okay so um would that include things like uh saving up for a cpr play field back glass you'd rather do yes. that than yes. um, you know pick up a four hundred dollar
1: em um well okay i thought we're talking did about i, new I say box new in box so, did i stutter uh, no you did not you did not say new unbox. box uh um Mark, in case you didn't notice, uh, whenever we're playing this game show, Seth channels a spirit animal—the Marquis de Sade. So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. I, I, see, you got me over the ropes now. Because um, you, you know, if I could pick up a four hundred dollar EM, oh yeah, it's a good one. You but smell that, Mark? That's a—that's what a flip flop smells like. oh uh, you know yeah. what? I'm not flip flop, but you know what? No, I'm standing. I'm standing, sticking. Let's get the CPR in there. Let's get the replacement back backglass. Let's get that game up and running, man. Make it nice and and save one more game from destruction.
0: Wow! Not only do I disagree with you, you flip flopped and then flip flopped back.
1: Well, Mark gets a point on that one, doesn't he?
0: Mark's going to get two points on that one. You know I penalize flip flopping.
1: Yeah, big time.
0: All right, let me tabulate the scores. Let's see here.
1: I'm never going to win this and game. The <laughs> one. Wait, hold on,
0: and then add. Okay, and tonight, I'm happy to announce the winner of the second annual Factor Fantasy segment is not Spencer. Congratulations, yeah. Mark! Continuing the streak. <laughs> well,
2: thank you very much. <laughs> but it was a great conversation, regardless.
0: <laughs> it was a
1: game well fought. Yes, it was.
0: Spencer, okay. take it away. Yes, sir.
1: All right. Well, uh, that uh, is about it for our show because we're going long tonight. Wow. Like over two hours, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But a great two hours. And uh, it's just nice that everybody's home and we can get together. You know, uh, because Seth and I have both had a really grueling work schedule lately and do continue to do so. Um, So it's great we can get together and and put on this this great little podcast. So uh, any quick shout outs or thank yous, anybody? I have a lot of
2: shout outs. First of all, I want to thank my wife, Heidi, and my two kids, Cassidy and Nathan, for supporting me in this crazy addiction, I guess you could say, (laughs) and passion uh, in in doing pinball. And uh, I, I want to give a huge shout out to my wife because she allowed me to have a pinball machine down in the family room now. Um, and she's also encouraging me to clean out the storage room and put in a pinball arcade in there. So I love her beyond words, beyond words.
0: Now we're going to get, we're going to get listeners that are going to email us asking if she has a sister that's single.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I, I, she, she, she knows I'm, or she thinks I'm crazy about this, but she does support me and she knows that she's not going to change me, (laughs) but, uh, I love her so much. And, uh, I want to give a shout out to my friend, Jim Martin for his home brew machine. That's going to be incredible when you guys get to play it, when it's ready to go. And he's going to have it really dialed in at that time. Michael Huntsman for getting pinball to start press start for allowing us to, to have league, which we have now on average 16 people that show up, which I forgot to mention, but uh, it's been great. Attendance has been wonderful. Um, and just a whole Reno pinball community, uh, Greg Wright, who has great collection of EMS and, uh, Kevin Woods for keeping things playing tip top shape and offering his expertise and fixing machines whenever you need it. Uh, just great, great people here in Reno. So, uh, uh, keep the love coming for everybody. It's awesome. And all of you guys in Sacramento for helping make the league work.
0: Awesome. Seth, you got anything? Um, you know, I'm in full blown, um, show mode uh the festival show and so um you know we're knee deep in getting volunteers and uh, organizing and I just want to say a big thanks to uh, the pinball community here in northern California um, we get so much support from you guys this show is really only possible because of the collectors and the volunteers that come together to make this show uh what it is so um, you know this is the time of year where I really can appreciate um, all of the helping hands that come together to make this show um, work the way it does. So thanks everybody.
1: Awesome. Um, I, I've done so many shout outs and uh, so I'm just going to throw this out real quick. Um, I haven't had any negative feedback. Uh, just people curious about uh, my uh, closing line, which is play pinball, keep America strong. There is no political uh, connotation to that. It, uh, I'll give you the origin real quick and we'll close out. Um, if you grew up in the Sacramento, Northern California Bay area in the sixties and seventies, you know, the dark ages, Seth, uh, even in the early eighties, there was a great uh, film, uh, sh- a TV show on uh, kind of like Senguli or Avira. It was called creature features with the host, Bob Wilkins. And they'd have the station identification where they would uh, just put up a little picture of Bob Wilkins always smoked these big cigars and, and, and they'd have, like, a picture of him with, like, Frankenstein, and, and it would have the, the TV identification, and it would say, uh, watch horror films. Keep America strong. So I took that as an homage to uh, Bob, the late, great Bob Wilkins, and, and then uh, his replacement host later on, John Stanley. And uh, so that's my tip of the hat to, to the old horror film show on Saturday nights, um, whether you're watching on uh, Channel 2 in Oakland or on channel 40 in sacramento and so I, I you know kind of shaped me as a person because you know i grew up with uh creature features and pinball and comic books and like kissing van halen records so that's my little tip tip of the hat to bob Rolkins, god rest his soul so with that boys and girls ladies and gentlemen children of all ages i'm gonna uh we're gonna we're gonna close the show out you guys know it play pinball keep america strong